0: This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I'm your host Yasin, and I'm joined by George, Yo, Brody, Yo, what's up? And Josh,
2: how's it going, everybody?
1: I'm good. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Actually, I just woke up too.
2: (laughs) I am mad that I didn't get to be on the last one, but I'm going to make up for that tonight.
3: Yeah. I mean it could be worse. You could have been on the last one and not had anything to say. That wouldn't have happened.
0: <laughs> so, uh Josh, what are what are your thoughts on Kuga through Decade? We got 2 hours, let's go. <laughs> okay, I can I can make this super
2: quick. Uh Kuga loved it. Agito pretty good. Ryuki, eh Vise, eh, Blade, uh Hibiki, eh, eh. Kabuto <laughs> Hell yeah. Deno, nice. Kiva, eh, Decade I can't believe it, but I like it. And then uh, the first and the next. First, kind of slow, but all right. The next, uh, the tokusatsu parts are good. Uh, not so much of a fan <laughs> of the horror movie that they stuffed in there.
1: Good job. Wow. <laughs> so if you haven't guessed, uh, this is part two of the Heisei Rider retrospective that we're doing. Uh, the previous episode, uh, we talked about Kuda all the way up until Kamen Rider Decade. And from now, we're going to talk about from Kamen Rider Double all the way to the currently running and almost finished uh, Kamen Rider Geo, uh, along with some other stuff in between. Uh, so let's start with uh Double, the first uh, of the quote-unquote Phase 2 uh, Rider series. Uh, start off pretty different uh, right off the bat. We had two Riders... Well, two people turning into one writer, which I remember being very confusing, and I remember leading up to it, wondering how they're actually going to do this. What did you guys think of Comrade Double?
2: Well, one of the things that I liked about Double, well, it's both something that I like and kind of something I hold against it, is that... Uh, most people know by now that Double was already being planned and worked on during Decade, like Mm -hmm. what was going to be the next thing after the anniversary show. And so a lot of things felt a lot more fleshed out in Double than they did Decade because, yeah, they were planning on giving it a full run, and you can see that it's a lot more uh, polished when you're comparing one to the other. As far as, you know, an intro to Common Writer goes, a lot of people got in on Double. Uh, That just seemed to be when people started getting more into the fandom and as far Mm. as an opening scene like them breaking out of you know the hq there and the transformation and the helicopter and the fire that's all really impressive imagery so that was a really strong opening for me
0: uh george brody um i agree with the opening it was very impressive the first time i saw it almost to the point where i was a little let down by the rest of the episode because it didn't like hold up to that standard but it was still a really good first episode and i do remember leading up to it um i was part of the fandom for a while by that point uh, people were really confused as to how they would do the two-in-one transformation and once we had that first episode people were like a little like oh this is kind of cheaty because they're not really two-in-one it's just like one dude um but yeah i had a, a lot of fun with that first episode and i remember it feeling feeling like like, yeah, this is Common Rider, like this is this feels like a fresh new take. And I went back and watched the first few episodes a while ago and that feeling holds up. It really feels unique to itself, but it feels like you could show this to anybody and be like, Okay, this is Common Writer. And but there's no other series like it, I think.
3: So I mean the way I experienced this was You know, I I got into Common Rider with Gaim, and then I started working my way backwards. So, I watched Double after O's, and to me, those had some similarities as far as the dynamic goes. You know, you've got your dynamic duo in both of them. In O's, it's Ankh and Eiji, and in Double, of course, it is Shotaro and uh, Philip. So, um, I can see how it, you know, it's... Really unique. Just looking at everything that came before it, mm. it seems like it would have made really a big impact for Common Rider. But I, I think that they definitely followed up on that with something somewhat similar, at least something that played on the strengths of Devil. And really, that that whole motif is really great. They they lean into it so well because like Shotaro's name is Hidari, which means left. And then you have Philip, who is Raito, which is right. It's like uh, I I I love thinking like that. <laughs>
2: That's Toei, and their naming word puns. Yeah, I love it so much. You go back to decade. Oh, your thief happens to be named Kaito. How original! <laughs>
1: Crap, <laughs> I
2: didn't you, know. You didn't realize that? I
1: didn't
0: realize. <laughs> hey, yes. Yeah. Did you know a decade is 10 years and decade was the 10th series?
2: <gasps> no. Give me a break. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say though is in regard to Shotaro and Philip for one we got two really strong leads there. I mean the two are still acting to this day. You know, they got their kickstart there in double. But mm. what I think is interesting about their character specifically, uh, there was this rumor going around for a while that the two of them, their character type, were based off trying to pit one against the other as far as what people were actually looking for in a lead for a common writer show. So Shotaro is supposed to be more of the old school Showa esque, I'm very headstrong, I'm leaning into this. Uh, I'm going to be the one who physically fights. And Philip was more of the, well, I'm the Heisei style. I'm the pretty boy. I'm not really going to get into fights. And putting those two together was supposed to be the best of both worlds. And that's how they came up with the idea for their, their character types.
3: That's pretty fascinating. And I mean, like, it's it's kind of funny, though, because looking back on it, they, uh, you know, they always call Shotaro the, uh, what, what was it, half-boiled? or Half-boiled, yeah. Yeah, yeah half-boiled. So not quite... Hard-boiled as maybe some of the Showa guys, but y- y- I see what they were going for. It's clever.
1: I feel like that's what Skull was there for. A bit eventually, like he was the true Showa. Yeah, era. absolutely. Yeah. Um, something about this show. There's, there's a lot of firsts that happened with this show. Um, mm-hmm. I believe this is the first time we actually saw the writers show up before their show aired.
2: Right. So going back to All Writers vs. Die Shocker, that's Mm -hmm. the beginning of the trend of, hey, we're going to give you guys the sneak preview of what this guy is and what he can do to build up the hype before the show starts. Right. And for me, it worked. Like, seeing those first uh, images coming out during the promotion for All Writers vs. Die Shocker of Double, one, that design is so clean. Like, you can show that to people, and they're just impressed by looking at it. Like, wow, is that... It looks like a Power Ranger, but he's so—he's two colors. You can do that.
1: And it's like, oh,
2: <laughs> wait till I show you what this guy does. Yeah, and then yeah, the the move set, the power set is so easy to understand. Like, oh yeah, he can just switch out one side for the other. One's physical attacks, the other's elemental. Yeah, I, I understand mm-hmm. that. It was really easy to get people in invested in that.
1: Yeah, and I remember, um, I remember when we first saw the bike. And yes. Everybody else was like, "Oh my!" Because because the last two shows had like these huge chopper bikes, and before that, Deno had like the uh, the, the, dirt the bike. classic dirt bike. So it was it wasn't since like Kabuto that we had like a uh, bike like that show up.
2: Well, yes, specifically a Honda CBR uh, 1000RR. Dang, uh, that was the one Not they were rocket. using. <laughs> yeah, that w- that was the one they were using for Kabuto, for X's bike, and then for this one.
1: Okay. Yeah dang that's a lot of knowledge <laughs> yeah
2: personally i prefer that style of bike i really it's also the same one that they used for kamen rider the first for ichigo's bike or oh right. One, mm. depending on how you want to refer to him yeah, but yeah. honestly i prefer it when it's a, an actual street bike versus mm-hmm. like i like i know they started out with dirt bikes like that's kind of a classic thing personally i like something that you know you can ride on people look at it like man
1: that's nice yeah. And that's what I liked exactly. about this one is that it was just so sleek and it had like, you know, it was, it was pretty simple, but it was also like very, like well designed and very it just stylish. Felt, yeah. It, it felt very double, which I thought was really cool. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I, whenever I think about double, I think about the movies. And yes, those are the ones that always stand out for me uh, as far as like writer movies go. Um, so it had the, its own movie which was uh double forever a to z uh, guy, guy memories, memories of fate which uh, was directed mm-hmm. by sakamoto koichi sakamoto um and i remember and that fingerprints are
2: all over that thing oh
1: man right. like this was probably his second project back in japan right
0: yeah this was i believe so yeah he did ultra galaxy and then yeah. this was his first time touching rider you know what? Uh, good it's, touch. Good touch. We're just gonna we're just gonna move. <laughs> we're gonna move past that. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry. You know, not to get stuck on it, but the thing I love so much, starting with Double compared to some of the other series, even ones later on in Phase Two, every installment of a different movie, whether it was you know the Movie Wars or the Summer Movie, it's all canon. It all fits in the story. They even yeah. tell you, "Hey, you want to find out about this?" You know, you want to find out what happened in episode one to Shotaro's boss? You got to come back in December. You got to watch the movie. And you wanted to watch that movie. And they answered questions. That's what I loved about it so much.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I remember this movie coming out. Um, and it was just... It was so different than what we had had before. And, I mean, of course, like, Koichi's has a very different style.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the action was what really stood out for me. But also, it just... It felt like a bigger movie. Even though... All Rider vs. Dice Shocker was technically a bigger movie.
2: (laughs) Well, I look at it this way. Between the two, like, All Rider vs. Dice Shocker had what was going for it. The thing that you already went into decade for was it was an anniversary movie. So even if it's shot the same as everything else, it still got people's money. It still had Mm -hmm. the old fans who wanted to see all those writers take the field, much like myself. Whereas Double, that was the first one for Guy Memories of Fate where it was shot like a movie. Like, it wasn't shot like an episode of the series. It had the muted color palette. It was shot
0: cinematically for the first time. Exactly, yeah. I never did get to see it at the theater, but the first time I saw it, it was... Yeah, like Josh said, it felt like a movie. By that point, especially... I mean, decade decade aside, I think recent writer movies had been kind of like... They felt like just blown-up episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. to me, the the movie that really represents that is the Kiva movie, which was probably one of my least favorite movies. It just felt like such a a nothing feature. But uh-huh. with Decade, it really did feel important. I mean, double it felt important. It felt like it mattered to the show. Mm-hmm. And even though a lot of the characters didn't appear in the show, it still felt like they had ties to the show. And it really just continued the theme of having the characters feel like they live in a very organic world where characters can come and go because they're all sort of tied together
1: yeah and it it introduced something that would show up for movies to come which was foundation x i believe and that's god
2: that's a, if that's anything that i can say about phase two it's my biggest compliment and also my greatest letdown was yeah. the creation of foundation x because having foundation x show up at all was like okay that's kind of cool it's then Later on, once we get into O's, it's like, wait, they're still around? Are these guys the new Shocker? And that's the thing that got me going. Like, oh my god, we've got an overarching evil organization. Oh my god, I miss this so much. And, you know, it's a simple enough name. You can get behind it. We had them as recently as, what, Build? Were they in Build? In the movie. In the movie, in uh, Heistate Generations uh, Forever.
1: Yeah. I I always hoped that they would, you know pay off on that a bit more
0: my understanding is that the way they were introduced and written was from the a combination of the producer and the writer at the time and they left it on such a note that if any other production team wanted to pick it up and run with it they could so that's why they they did that little cameo i guess with the o's medals in one of those final episodes but it the team that came right after with uh, Yasuko Kobayashi and Naomi Takebe, they don't really seem to like doing connective tissue between shows. A lot of their shows, most of their shows are just very standalone. So it was a little disappointing that we had this cool setup and like right away, it's like, okay, we're just going to ignore that.
2: That was unfortunate, but at least, you know, we got the start of that and then not only does it start one that double has all canon movies two that it's got at least the foundations pardon the pun for connective tissue between these next couple of shows uh but also that we're starting to see hey the side character's pretty doing pretty well with the fans why don't we give him a movie we've got we've got the time we can do this and yeah. then you get mm. excels movie which is actually really good i actually
1: like it better than a to
2: Z, honestly that That's perfectly understandable Like, it's got a tight story uh, It still ties back to The regular episodes you see uh, Which is the thing I liked about uh, Actually about A through Z That they keep into Excel Is that they call back to Hey, remember these guys that we helped out Or this dopant that we turned back into a human Hey, we're running into them again Yeah, It felt like, you know, like you were saying a second ago Like a connected world Like they remembered things
1: yeah, that was a big thing about the end of uh, Double's show was that they showed a lot of the char- characters and cameos that ca- throughout the series cheering on Double towards the end. And I like that they kept that. Um, honestly, I don't remember the Eternal movie too much. I know it was like a flashback or something, but I don't know yeah, too
2: much about it. it. It's kind of a prequel to how Katsumi got... The Eternal Memory, and it used to be in the hands of What's-His-Face that became uh, Utopia, you can do without it. Like, it's nice that they tell it, and it still fits into the narrative. They're lucky that they didn't overstay their welcome, and it felt too much like, say, uh, with, I know it's a completely different genre, but with, like, Final Fantasy, you know, you make all of those different... Uh, prequel games and tie-ins like Dirge of Service and you're really trying to shoehorn this narrative in of, oh, Vincent was doing all this other stuff and it just doesn't feel right versus Eternal where it's like, okay, there was just enough room to fit this little story in and you didn't try to overreach, good on you. Don't do (laughs) any (laughs) more. They knew where to
1: stop. Uh, So before we move on to O's, one thing I always found interesting about whenever we go from like starting with double, when we go from show to show, whenever they do make a cameo in the previous writer's movie, you can see the start of their conceptual, the concept of what they think the next writer is going to be. But they haven't tied down like the sound effects or the visual effects or sometimes even the writer <laughs> voice himself or whatever.
2: Well, yeah, they they've got they've got the suit planned out. Usually they've got the sound effects with, you know, a few exceptions here and there, but you're right, they don't always have the idea of well, who who are they?
1: Yeah. Um and I think the most different I think was uh when Oz showed up in the double movie. I mean, it was the first time we actually saw the actor cuz double we didn't yes. really see the two actors until right, their right. show started. Yeah. Uh but we saw Oz, we saw A.G. show up. And for the most part, his design is pretty much the same. But I remember a lot of the visual effects of him transforming and his weapons and stuff. It's all different.
2: Yeah, the visual effects were different, but the sounds were all there. Uh, it just varies just slightly from one thing to the other. And then right. you start that whole thing of fans starting to argue, Okay, well, when they show up in the previous movie, when does that happen in canon with them? And then it gets uh, kind of murky.
1: <laughs> yeah. Though... I do like that they call back to that stuff, like in future movies.
2: Yeah, that Ag totally remembers helping him out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. Um, before we, I guess one more thing before we leave Double, um, since it's such a big, like it's such a popular series among the fandom. Like, what is your favorite? Who's your favorite character in Double? Ooh. Um,
2: actually, I'm gonna have to say it's Skull. It's uh, Narumi. Uh, he's just so well thought out of a character and grizzled mm-hmm. and then I loved his uh backstory when they told it later during the Os movie war uh he's and, and I just i love that design it's so clean I mean yeah they're all the designs there are clean but like just the skull look and everything and then that being a tie back to skull man for Ishinom mori like it's mm-hmm. just i I like him so much
1: brody
3: uh, this is a difficult one. <laughs> There's so many good characters. Uh, I'm just going to have to go with Shotaro, I think, because, I mean, I mean, what I really love most about the show is the character dynamic between him and Philip, mm-hmm. but seeing how he carries on after uh, Philip goes away near the end and you know, before he comes back, of course, you know, he becomes Common Rider Joker, um, and... I don't know just his personality he tries so hard but he's so soft even though he tries to be hard boiled and I don't know he's just I just really like his character and also his headship pose
2: you bring up a good point there Brody and it's worth asking here because of certain things that happen in later series like Gaim do you think it would have been better if Philip never came back and he just had to carry on as Joker
3: I think it's worth asking what kind of story they were trying to tell by having him come back in the end because it's like there you know there was a purpose and sure they pulled a punch, but was there a reason for it?
0: I think if he had come back, that would have probably pushed shotaro into the like from half boiled into like hard boiled. But mm. um, I don't think that would have served the purpose of the story that they were building to throughout the entire series. Which, for me, was that... Xotaro's not a hard-boiled detective, and that's perfectly okay. Because what he is, is more than enough. And I think that's Mm. sending a message that you don't really need to change yourself. So had Philip not come back, I think we would have seen some fundamental changes in Xotaro's character that I'm not sure would have gelled very well with what we had seen up to that point. Like, I really... Really loved the ending with him finding the belt and crying in the second to last episode because that yeah. felt very bittersweet and very much like something Ichinomori would have done. But I also don't think that's an ending very befitting of what Double was trying to say at that point. I get you. That that makes sense.
1: I I feel like, and also because this was this, I think this was the first show that actually kind of did that thing where they, you know. Kill someone off and then bring them back, but yeah, because it actually meant something for the story, I feel like it worked, and also it was I mean seeing him say goodbye to Philip like that was probably the first time I've actually cried during a comrade show same, same but then I was like really happy when Philip came back. It didn't feel cheap,
3: yeah, like you go through most of the show and like they yet most of the show has the the two episode formula. Mm-hmm. And they don't really, you know, you get the the plot developing in little bits over time. And then you have just this moment where, you know, Philip dies. And you're just like, okay, well, that was the saddest thing I've ever seen. And I was not prepared for that.
1: Oh, by the way, I probably should have said that. This is going to be a spoiler heavy episode. We'll just put it on the website. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> In case you made it this far and you haven't figured it out, sorry. Yeah.
1: Oops. All right. So, uh, going on to the next show, writer, O's, uh, which came out. You
3: count the medals one, two, and three. Life goes on. Anything goes coming up, O's?
1: Thanks for that. So, forza. You're the scum music. So, forza. <laughs> Um, this one was an interesting show. Um, I remember a lot of people in the fandom, being, including myself, giving this show kind of a hard time because it wasn't double. It was very different.
2: I think it was what it needed to be as far as going on with, okay, we've got one type of writer. Now we're going to introduce somebody completely different, which is something that got me into... Common uh, Writer at all was, you know, like I've said before in previous podcasts, I was initially introduced to Power Rangers, and then when I start watching Common Writer, I'm like, these guys, specifically Kabuto, oh my god, this guy's so cocky. He's nothing like a Power Ranger, but he's the good guy. And then you go into Dano, and it's like, oh my god, this guy's so weak. He's nothing like the last guy. So, you know, the kind of difference in personality really stuck out. So when it comes to Eiji, it's like, wow, this guy's really positive, but he's also a little bit lazy. As opposed to the last two guys that we dealt with. So, well,
1: I'd say less lazy, just more, you know. A chill him, carefree. Yeah. <laughs> he
0: goes
2: with he wants the wind. Feet.
1: Yeah. I
2: remember when the, when the series was first starting, a lot of people were comparing his character type being so nice and whatnot to possibly being like the second coming of godai and i'm like no like let's not go saying things ahead of schedule here let's see how he big be- how he develops as a character first
1: yeah 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 i remember that being a big thing and i honestly say i like him better than godai um as far as going like as the show went on you you got to know why he thought the way he did
2: well yeah because i think with as far as i'm aware here you know back me up on this uh, or disprove it one way or the other i think he's the first main character writer like main guy to have defined ptsd
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah um main writer yeah so i think garan had that a little bit of that right got had it yeah
0: yeah it feels like before that point everyone was kind of um and I don't want to say, like, A.G. is super realistic, but it feels like A.G.'s trauma was a bit more based in reality. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, it's the fact that the thing that he's so focused on helping people out for is that it's tied to a war crime. Yeah. And he's had to carry that with him, that survivor's guilt, for years. Like, yeah. I
0: had never seen that
2: in a writer show.
0: It, um... It reminded me a lot of what they did with uh, June in Ultraman Nexus. You, it was right, yeah, because he was a, um, a a war photographer, and he befriended a little girl from a village in somewhere in the Middle East. And as he was taking pictures of her, she was blown up and killed. And like the way they carry things with them was really interesting. And I feel like Writer is a really good series to do that sort of story with. That's very true.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really good story, but the issue that I had and like I love O's, I love O's enough that I bought the CSM complete set, and like my cousin was just here, I was showing him. It's the whole a really thing. good set. It's a great set. It's there's so much you can do with it. Anyway, um, one one complaint that I have about O's that sort of doesn't really matter to me that much is I don't. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of A.G.'s personality because it's a great story that he's got, and I see what they were going for, but to me, he's just so much less interesting than the writers before and after him, um, and I don't really know exactly what it is. It's sort of like he's just, you know, he's he's the good guy who wants to do the good thing, and, and that you know that's lovable, and the things that he does in the show are lovable. And otherwise, I wouldn't have liked him at all but
2: which i think is where a lot of the foundation of people uh comparing him to godai was that godai was very one note and eiji kind of came off the same way and and i get he's not as interesting as like say uh shotaro and whatnot but that's where you have the rest of the cast to round him out and especially if you just got done with watching shotaro and philip bouncing off one another now you've got something akin to that with eiji bouncing off ankh for 40 some odd episodes yeah, yeah, and I
3: did. Yeah, I mentioned that when we were talking about double, and it's like I I do love their dynamic so much because sure uh, there are parts of about AG that are less interesting, but seeing the super positive AG interacting with the super cold Ankh is just so great, and seeing Ankh eventually warm up to AG is a fantastic story.
1: I think what it is is that. A.G. is like such a he's a lot more of a grounded character like you guys said and everybody every other most of the main writers are heightened caricatures of personalities kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Like like Forze which comes next is he's like this you know kind of rowdy high school kid kind of thing even though he's wants to befriend everybody he's just very loud and boisterous and A.G. is very middle of the road and Kind of, you, mean, you can kind of just you can see yourself meeting a guy like that at some point.
2: Well, I, I think when you when you look at it that way, it makes a lot more sense when you compare that. a g is the grounded one, and literally everybody else he runs into is so extra. Yeah. Like Hina, for whatever reason that they never explain, has freakish strength. Ankh is always <sighs> yelling <sighs> at him. The chairman always with the cakes and the happy birthday. <laughs> everybody else is so extra. You need somebody to be like, oh okay, i'm gonna just go wash my underwear now like, you like guys
1: <laughs> yeah do what that's you're true. doing and that was the thing like he all of his quirks always seemed weird and so you figured out why like his whole you know carrying one piece of underwear and that's it, pretty much it um but then you see the philosophy behind it and the philosophy about why how why he wants to protect people and it's like it all kind of makes sense um but yeah all of the all the characters in the show are crazy um what i always found interesting about oz was that i liked the dynamic of the villains a lot
2: i actually really do like the greed yeah
1: and there was this whole like dynamic of them all trying to get the most medals amongst themselves not just between the enemies and you know the writers but between the enemies themselves and i always found that to be like made that much made the story of oz a lot more interesting to me hmm well, yeah,
2: I I liked the way uh, Mizzou and Gamel had that kind of weird chemistry with each other. Like Mazul is totally leading along Gamadu, but Gamadu's just like, "But I love you," sort of. And it's it's really sad when you get to the end of their their mm. story. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like, oh man, you guys did the thing where you made me feel for the villains. Good job.
3: Mm-hmm. They were my favorites.
2: And and then you get. Somebody like Dr. Maki, who, like, you when you first meet him, it's like, oh, he's just this guy. And then by the end, it's like, oh, this guy's got problems. He is And he up. should not have all those medals. It's quite <laughs> an understatement. Well, I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, that was...
3: Whew. Yeah. Um, he's, uh... I... Maki and his doll.
0: Oh, yeah. Boy. So, that brings me to a question. When he mm. was introduced, maybe even just like a few episodes after, did anybody actually see him becoming the final villain?
2: No, did not see no. that coming at nope. all.
0: Yeah, I me mean, neither. That was... I'm not the biggest fan of O's just because I had a very hard time getting into it. I didn't really like Ag as a character too much at the time. And mm. once I understood his whole thing, I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think the execution was great. But yeah, Maki never sat well with me as a villain, just because it feels like his turn into that world-ending, like, void-loving guy just, it came too suddenly for me to to really have any impact.
3: I I don't think I had an issue with that. Like, I didn't see it coming from the start, like, like, like for a long time I didn't see it coming, but I don't think i personally had a problem with the way they led into it because i don't know it just i remember watching it and being with it i'm just like oh this is intense okay yeah. we're doing this now it's yeah. like oh
2: you're the guy who's developing the the tech all right that's nothing and then eventually you find out oh he's got sister issues and he has a problem with nihilism well that's that's a great combination hmm. but it's like I argue that with a series like this, especially one of its saving graces, if you don't like Eiji, you've got Ankh. If you don't like Eiji or Ankh, you've got, honestly, in my opinion, one of the best secondary writers they've ever introduced in
3: Date. Oh, yeah. Before we start talking about Date, I've got to just say, the nihilism thing with Maki, fantastic. Because it just worked out so wonderfully with the theming, because you have Kogami, who honestly I thought for a while was going to be the final villain... Yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah, and, like, he's got his whole birth and beginnings thing, and then you have Maki, who's all about endings. Right, exactly. I I love themes. I love theming. Hmm. Okay, now we can talk about Dante. That's good theming, though, because it makes sense.
2: You, You know, you got those two dynamics playing with each other, and then, of course, you've got Eiji, who only works for as much money as he needs, and then you've got Date over here. Like, I'm just bringing around this milk jug where I don't know where I got it in Japan, but I've got it and I'm cool. And I'm just, I'm a bro. And I'm going to be a bro to everybody. And my belt is really simple, but it's a really solid design. I'm just, I'm here. Deal
1: with it. <laughs> just the freaking pop every time he's transformed. <laughs> Um, but I also liked his, his relationship with, uh, uh, Go- Goto. Yeah. Goto-chan? Yeah. yeah, And him sort of bringing him up from being a very rigid company man to sort of being his own person. Hmm. Though he kind of, he kind of ended up just imitating Date after a while.
2: <laughs> well, see, the thing about it for me is like when Goto takes over as birth, I think, and it kind of shows in the, in the show itself, like. It, I didn't feel the same way for Goto that I did for, say, like, Kagami and Kabuto, where you felt like, oh, he's a dude who deserves power, and then when he gets power to become a writer, it's like, yeah, he earned that. I feel for him. I want him to have that position. Yeah. Where it came to Date mentoring Goto, I was like, I don't want him taking over for birth. He's so... even Even when he comes into his own, it's still nothing compared to how much of a personality Date is, so yeah. much so to the point that they have to bring Date back... And it's like, well, how are we going to bring him back? I don't know. We, do we have a spare birth suit? Yeah. Just put some tape on it. Just put some red tape, and we're good. We're just going to call it a prototype, and we're great, and we have him back in the show.
3: <laughs> well, that's a way to look at it.
2: Well, yeah, because otherwise, like, why would you bring Date back? He was such a good character. And then to just write him off, like, okay, I'm going to go have surgery. All right, you've got your own birth. Like, the suit's still being used. But people don't seem to be as satisfied with Goto. It's like, oh, this isn't working so great. Okay, bring bring Date back. We need him.
0: Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think a lot of that just comes from how unexpectedly popular uh, Date was. Um, exactly. I don't remember the exact number, but there was an interview around the time the show was coming to an end that said he was only supposed to be in the show for maybe six or seven episodes. Really? And, yeah, but it was just, there was he was instantly one of the most, if not the most popular character in the show. So they just kept him around. So I kind of wonder if if he had died off at that sixth or seventh episode and Goto became the new birth, would that have made more of an impact? Um, because to me, it feels like... I totally understand if it felt very important and personal for Kagami to become Gatak. But at the same time, it came early enough in the show that... I still had that hope he would become a writer. With Goto, aside from not really liking him too much as a character, um, I felt like his transformation came so late in the game that I had already just grown used to the fact that he's a normal dude, he's not going to transform. So when he finally transforms, it's just like, huh, how about that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt about
0: it.
3: I didn't feel that way. I felt like they were eventually going to do it. So when it finally happened, I felt like it was the payoff. But, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. Though. Like, it, it makes sense, and I can I can see how you would see it that way. Just when I was watching it myself, I didn't feel that.
0: Yeah, I That's I come fair. at it That's from, fair. like, the perspective of having watched it over the course of a year. So I, I definitely had the, like, he, he's going to transform, right? Like, yeah, he's going to transform. He's got to transform. That's where it's going. And then after, like, nine months, you're like, uh, no, he's not going to transform.
2: <laughs> and then they finally decide to give it
3: to him, and it's like, oh, oh,
0: man. that
2: was
3: that was late. <laughs> that's that's perfectly yeah. valid. I I'm watching a show all at once versus week by week is very is a very different experience. Oh, absolutely. And I like even with more recent shows, I I think that, like for for me, watching a show like Ninja or Ghost was a, hard to get through, um, because I was watching week to week. Yeah. But then I look. But then I look back at you know some people like those shows, and then there was a similar conversation to be had around Wizard, and I really liked Wizard, mm-hmm. and so I watched. See, I binged it, and then there were people who watched it week to week, and they thought that it was meh.
0: Yeah, I so, oh, we'll get to that. I um. <laughs> oh yeah, we will. I really I do think there is something to be said for how you watch a show, and it's sometimes difficult to put yourself into the mindset of what the directors producers writers were thinking as they were crafting it to be a week week to week show um right. so there's a very good argument to be made for like well what is the correct way to watch it what is the best way to watch something like week to week or in batches which i think brings us to a really good jumping on point to forze how's that transition for you yes
1: well we kind of <laughs> skipped all we kind of skipped all the movies but i also don't have much to say about the movie. The, okay, so. the O's movie. I <laughs> I
0: okay. So the O's movie. I um I will I never forget movie. how much of, me and Yas tried to watch the O's movie together, and we could never get more than maybe ten fifteen minutes into it. We would be so incredibly bored and just not mm-hmm. interested at all in what it was trying to do. Yeah, I remember because we we did that
1: for like our old podcast, um, and yeah, we were. <laughs> It took, I don't know how long. Did it take days to watch that movie? It took days. Remember. It took
0: days. It took days, <laughs> yeah.
1: That movie was so bad. Um, and then there's also the Let's Go Common Rider movie. Which which was is so
2: arguably better. Yes. It is. Just because, again, it's this kind of thing which we can use to transition into Force 8, which is the... Really long anniversary that they had from O's crossing over into Forze of, okay, O's is technically the beginning of the anniversary, but Forze is really the anniversary. Yeah. And, you know, we get a movie like Let's Go Common Rider where, at least vocally, they brought back the original voices for 1, 2, and V3. And then just having them do those flips into the courtyard towards yeah. the end of the movie and the crowd's cheering them on, you know, uh, Rx, Rx, you know, shit. And everybody's there. And I still have this one stupid, I, I guess it's not really a stupid co- complaint, it's just my thing. It's like, for getting into the fandom and going back and watching all these shows and loving the characters, when you see that they just kind of let certain things fly, and it's like, but you guys own the show, you should be better than that. When Kuga shows up there and you know you hear the uh, disembodied voice of the announcer not announcing the writer's names as they show up, when Kuga shows up and he does his pose, he's got his left arm too far up and it's like no this guy didn't quite have it like seiji or somebody else june Watanabe, you were there fix his arms but it's like no that's the take we're going with
1: yeah i think i think at some point they get to i guess to be too many writers i guess and they're just kind of trying to get through it i don't know now I
0: mean, josh perhaps yeah how how would you feel if i told you that the guy inside the kuga suit was the original suit actor for kuga Ooh. I would
2: be, I would be weirded out because it's like, dude, you know how that pose goes. Like, why are you so off? Like that—that's weird to me. Cool, because it's not him. I just wanted to see. Him. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's the dude that originated it, then yeah, you're held to a higher standard because you're the dude who originated it. I um, I, I love this.
0: <laughs> I actually want to double check that because I may be completely wrong, but I, I. I do know that that specific suit actor only ever really did Kuga. And yeah. He he's more of like a traditional stuntman for like bigger Japanese movies. So I've always wondered if is like if that's something you can forget like as monumental as Kuga is. If you only did it for that one year, will you remember the intricacies of it like 13 years later?
1: I don't think so. I th- I feel like if you're someone who's, especially if you don't do that style of, like, Tokusatsu's stunt act, suit acting is way different than, like, you know, suit, like, stunt acting for, like, movies and stuff. Like, so. Yeah. It's a very specific language and a specific style that you have to learn. And
2: mm-hmm. it's also the culture that comes with it, the honor of being this character that's known as a national hero. And then you're going to half-ass it by having your arms in the wrong position. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's weird to me and then it's not just that the guy posed off it's that that's the take they went with yeah. like yeah that's close enough he's good
1: now I gotta see it because I don't remember that
2: yeah if you go ahead and double check that it's the same thing that I get weirded out by when I rewatch the first or the next why they decided to mirror writer one's transformation pose for those movies I never mm. got why they did that
3: hmm that is, that is weird like why not keep it the same
2: yeah exactly it's just
3: a weird decision.
2: But funny. then, really, the, the only things you watch "Let's Go Common Writer" for is if you really like Deno, if you want to see all the writers show up in the courtyard, and if you want to see the giant flaming forty crash into the giant shocker <laughs> monster.
3: I mean, who wouldn't want to see a giant forty crash into the shock giant shocker monster? That's I mean, what I, I uh, watched this. for. Yeah,
1: that's,
2: exactly. I was there for it.
3: I wanted to see that.
1: <laughs> um, before we get away with it or from it, um. Oz also had the 1000th episode was that
3: yes. correct? Oh yeah. right, they did that t- they did that the, the, the episode where they were filming a movie.
2: Right, yeah. where they've got AG dressed up the same way Hongo Takeshi was dressed up in episode 1 of Common Rider.
1: Like that was probably my favorite episode of the show. <laughs> we
2: I love that.
0: What like that sympathetic sympathetic Shocker combat man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sympathetic yeah.
3: Shocker combat. I love that.
2: Actually my favorite it. part of that was actually Date as the director having mm. to vocalize the sound effects for the o's belt <laughs> that's
1: really good
3: i i love it when a show like that does a joke episode and it gets so meta yeah. and everyone mm-hmm. watching is just like yes this
1: <laughs> it's really good
2: and i guess as the bridge over for the o's movie yeah we get to see Gentaro show up but they haven't completely thought out what he looks like because his hair's not the same. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Otherwise, he's the same character.
1: That's true. We, uh, we never actually talked about any of the movie war movies, movie war stuff. Well, they don't start, I start until 4's.
0: Like they don't what? They don't start until 4's. Oh, the movie wars. No, Tyson. the movie war ones they had yeah. since du-
1: decade yeah, 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 yeah. and double. Um, but I feel like they didn't... In my opinion, they didn't get good until Mega Max, so. I don't really have much well, of an opinion of like. The well, okay,
2: what... are you are you talking about the individual portions that belong to each writer or the combination part at the end?
1: I think the f- the whole thing. <laughs> well, like cause both
2: I think it's it's pretty fairly agreed upon in the fandom that the double portions of each movie war are solid. Right, right. When it comes to the O's portion, the the version that they used for. Oh, hold on, let me look at the list here. Is making sure I got this right the one that they did for movie war core is kind of nebulous as to whether or not it's canon or not. But when they get into the Megamax one, that's the good one for O's. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, you know,
0: we've got Poseidon and Aqua. Oh yeah. Yeah. For me, it feels like it kind of goes back to the thing of the movies feeling like blown up episodes. Like the O's portion of the movie war core just doesn't, feel like it's special it doesn't feel like it's deserving of a movie to me no i i agree yeah
3: i it i the way i feel about common rider movies is i don't like it as much when they do split it into portions and then have the combined portion at the end because you know that's it's not it it doesn't ah i want to find a different way to word it but it's what we've been saying it feels less like a movie
0: yeah. Like why just why are we watching episode.
3: two episodes and then a crossover? Yeah. The whole thing should be a crossover.
0: Yeah, like and I do think the only time that's ever worked well was with Mega Max, just because they had something to work towards with the Mega Max portion. And you know, they they created a a joker, a double portion. They didn't have to, but they brought him back just, just for that portion, so it really felt like there was some cohesive train of thought there as with the movies before it's just like okay here's a thing from one show here's a thing from another show and we'll just like try to make them work as one thing for the last fight scene
3: it's really kind of a strange strategy like i don't understand why they do it that way
0: yeah like the to me the weirdest one is the double decade when it's literally just double writing into the final fight scene from decade yeah And that always sat very weird with me because I did enjoy the double portion right up until that point.
2: Well, it's basically it continues this trend that we see even in this recent episode of Geo where decade's here, I ain't gotta explain crap.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they never under they never figured out why decade is ever anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Um But yeah, Mega Max was that one movie where it's like it felt like the Avengers movie before the
0: actual Avengers movie. Dude, that is a very good way of putting it, yes. Yeah. It felt like its own mini Marvel Phase 1. What
2: I loved about Mega Max yeah. the most was that portion where they brought back the Legendary Seven and they updated oh, all the man. attacks with modern yeah. effects, and it looked fine. You could show it to people and be like, yeah, this is what Common Writer's about. This these are the guys that started it and those effects look great especially when they do uh V3's Han 10 kick and then X's kick those looked yeah. really good
1: that was a great part of that movie so good
3: i i my favorite part of the movie or at least the part that i remember the best is the sound effects for super mm mm-hmm. mhm
1: oh yeah i think my my most memorable moment is that avengers moment where they they all meet for the first time in that parking garage was yeah. suits always happen. We nothing will ever beat nothing will ever beat when you actually get to see the
2: actors alongside each other. Because we've yeah. gotten used to seeing suits alongside each other. Yeah. Decades set the precedent for that. It's when we see the actors together. That's what gets you.
3: I yeah. Wait, I can, I can do you one better. Seeing the actors together transforming.
2: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that man. is my stuff right there when they do that. <laughs>
1: And yeah, this is the part where, you know, uh, basically Shotaro says that he's paying uh, Eiji back for, you know, handling the Luna uh, monster Dillpan. back in the other movie. And you just see them kind of, they're they're you see Shotaro sort of butt heads with Gentaro at first. And you just see that they're just kind of both bros at the end. <laughs> yeah. It's so good.
3: Because Gentaro solves everything with friendship and I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I like how Philip is just like, you guys really are the same. And they're like, what? No. <laughs> Which I think is a good segue
2: into Forza. Yes, I've been This is the third segue into Forze. <laughs> okay, let's actually stick it. Guys,
3: like, you see my Discord icon, right? I have been
2: waiting for this. Now, I'll, I'll say this. When I first saw it, the first sit-through,
1: I hated forza Yes. Uh, I, yeah, okay. I didn't like it.
0: I would I say it. I didn't hate it, but... I talked to a guy named Eagle Devil once you may or may not have heard of him. Of um, course. <laughs> mm-hmm, I'm um, just joking. I love you. <laughs> um, and he said something that really always like stood out to me. was It was like episode 42, 44. He said, we're at episode 42 or 44 of the show, but does it actually feel like it? And that was like the perfect summation of how I felt with Forze. It felt like there was no real progression towards the final goal there was no real progression towards like any sort of development with the villains or with the heroes it it felt like episode 40 whatever was the same place that episode 20 whatever would have had us at
2: well i i I will say that my opinion on forze has relaxed quite a bit over the years but i will say that um going into it i get that you know It was kind of that response to, all right, we just had O's, but then we also had the earthquake, earthquake, and we need something a little more upbeat to get people going and make people feel better. So we're going to have this super positive uh, guy as our lead, and to his credit, you know, he played the hell out of that role. Like, he committed 100% to Gentaro, and now, you know, you, you see him around in Bleach and it's like oh you got you got out of that you're, like, you're you're a star now you're doing all these other dramas you're doing other movies but, which is the thing I actually extra watched Bleach for because it was that mini Forze reunion because you've got yeah. Forze, Meteor, and Nadeshko oh, yeah. all in the same movie
1: I've, yeah. I've never watched Bleach that's the only reason why I watched that movie
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: for some people it was
0: I'm not sure if that was his first acting job or one of his first, but I do it remember. It was his first, yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember liking him quite a bit as an actor and mm-hmm. feeling he was very talented for what he was doing as like a very earlier first job. And something that always stood out to me was in an interview leading up to Forza, he said the only reason he really tried out for the show was because his parents were really big fans of Common Rider. And... I actually remember having a conversation with Yas about this um, before Forza started, and he was very like, oh, I don't know if that's going to be good or not, but it was really cool to see him keep coming back to writer, even after he had already become such a big name in Japan.
3: Yeah. The Build movie especially,
2: yeah, when it got to that point, like, once we got up to, I know we're getting ahead there, but once it got to, like, the Hazy Generations movies, to see certain people come back, it's like, no, dude, you're doing so well and you're coming back? That's awesome, man. Well, I will say, like, whereas I can totally respect now, I didn't respect it before, but I totally get it now in retrospect and looking back on the series, Gentaro is absolutely a character you can get behind and root for because he's very much the closest you have to, like, a Shonen Jump protagonist, if he could transform. Yeah, Pretty much. yeah, yeah.
0: That's a
3: good way to put it.
2: But I will still say, though, I hate his belt. I don't. Oh. Mind, I don't mind his belt. I, I always know. called it the first of the Fisher Price belts. <laughs>
1: uh... I will say it. It was very bulky and very. Mm-hmm. It, it felt. It felt like an oversized uh, N64 Player Two controller. Hmm. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i hate i hate and love how accurate that is <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah um but my my thing was that it was never it was my issue was never with the characters or the actors because i always thought i always had fun watching the characters like i liked that they're how they were all friends and become of a small group of kids just you know protecting the school and you know friendship and all that stuff that's that stuff was like okay throughout. I think it was just by the time we got to Forze, it got the, the two episode format got really tiring and that made it drag on so much longer than it needed to. Um, and I feel like the, 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 the person that they're saving every week didn't matter. Unlike in like double, double. it felt like they were a part of that city. But with Forze, I don't know, it just felt,
0: it didn't have thrower. that same
1: weight to it.
0: Yeah, yeah and I, I can sort of see what they were trying to do with that. Um, so Double and Forze do share the same producer. So it felt like he was trying to do a sort of a mini version of what he did with Double. You right. know, like instead of Futo, you have uh, Amanogawa High School. And mm-hmm. I I think it was in the, I want to say, Forze Summer movie, where you did see a lot of those one-off characters come back to activate a switch that would help uh, Gintaro win the final battle. Yeah, that right. was, that was the summer movie. Yeah, I felt like that maybe would have worked better and had more of an impact in the show itself. Right. Yeah. Just because it feels like the culmination of an entire series and not just like a movie. Um, yeah. But no, I, I totally get that. Like there are times I was like, oh, this character is cool. They're never going to come back, are they? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you didn't care if they came back,
0: exactly. Yeah. Well, well, that's true. there were characters that I wanted to see come back. Um, for me, the ultimate like culmination and like rot of the two part formula is Wizard. But I'll say, yeah, I
1: think Wizard is where it falls off the cliff. I think Forza is where it started to like wear very thin for me, anyway.
0: And I don't, I don't, I don't know if I had. Higher, Well, actually, yeah, I had higher expectations because of who the writer was. I always wanted to see this person write for Tokusatsu. Um, more specifically, I wanted to see him write for Sentai because I think his style, his very bombastic characters would have fit like Gokaiger or any other Sentai like that so much better. Um, so the writer for Forze was Kazuki Nakashima, who you may not know him as a writer, but you probably know like his most popular show is Gurin Lagan. And did you just say Gurren lagun Yeah, he, he's the head writer for four. That totally 8. makes sense. And I can oh. totally
3: see
0: it. Yeah, the drill makes sense now. Um, oh. So, yeah, going into this, I was like, dude, this guy is awesome. He's going to write a, a writer series. And then halfway into it, I'm like, eh, how about that? um <laughs> yeah. But I will say, I did go back and rewatch it in two episode chunks. Like, I didn't necessarily marathon it, but I would watch two episodes at a time. And I feel like the show works so much better in that format. And Mm -hmm. the reason for that is that's how the the series was written. The scripts were done as a single script for two episodes at a time. So I feel like that's a much more cohesive way of watching the show.
1: I have heard people who have either gone back and rewatched it or watched it for the first time after it aired. Absolutely loving the show and having no problem with the format. I think it was just, for us who watched it week to week, Yeah, it, it dragged on a lot longer than it needed to.
3: I have so much to say and so many thoughts and just, I'm still stuck on Gurren Logon now. <laughs> I think for
2: for as far as the the comparison to the Shonen thing, for me, it's like, if you know a friend who's hella into One Piece, show <laughs> them this <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they'll yeah. latch on.
1: But also if you are into... Well, I, don't know, I I'm watch cause I'm right now watching Yu Yu Hakusho show and he looks he seems so much like Yusuke. Yeah, I can I I can see that too. But yeah, I, I I'm trying to think back and I remember going into the show and as I was watching it thinking that I don't really like the design of Forze. <sighs> or, and the more I watch it, like even when I go back and watch stuff like when he's in a movie or something like that, His suit is always the one where I'm just like, ah, okay, I guess. Mm. I don't know. And I... I, The Switches always felt a bit too much for me, but it also felt way more random. Yeah. And I I hated that, especially watching the show. I was like, why is there a big shoe? What... It does why why the freaking pencil and paper why do you need an ink pen in space
0: yeah the best part about that is you have to sit and realize these are all crafted with a purpose by uh, Kengel's father in space yeah so you have some scientists thinking you know what i'm gonna take this cosmic energy and it's gonna be like a giant brush but no wait it's actually gonna be like some skis but you know what maybe we need a telephone but a telephone on your <laughs> arm i'm a scientist.
2: I I hated it well see this is this was the first year where I think Bondi really shot the writers in the foot because whereas with O's it was pretty easy like okay these are certain animal sets these all have feathers these are all water animals these are all shelled animals so you can kind of keep within a theme here whereas with Forza it's like look we need to fill up 40 slots because this is an anniversary go and then Bondi came back to him with like alright here's you go here's all your your things it's like okay we understand the rocket we understand the radar <laughs> why do we have a mini fridge on our foot uh you figure it out
0: <laughs> surprisingly that pays off because forze is to this day the single most successful rider toy line somehow yeah and i think that sort of paves the way for a lot of randomness in shows going forward especially in so far as like how loud a belt can be but we'll we'll get to uh. that oh we'll get was to that was this the first one that was like super loud i think so well not necessarily super loud but it dragged on for a while because like josh said it had it had it did jingles have, <laughs> yeah jingles and there were four of them um there's one specific moment for me i don't remember the exact episode number but it was a jake focused episode and there's a scene where gentaro is transforming and a monster is slowly approaching him and the monster is taking just enough time that you have, that you can see Gentaro fumble with four switches, put them into his belt, activate them, transform, and then the monster rushes at him. And that just completely took me out of the scene.
2: <laughs> now I, I will say this so, though, also for for Forze, as far as again going back to talking about secondary writers, and I realize we didn't talk about Excel beyond his movie, but I, I still like him as a character. I like Date as a character. I never liked Ryusei as a character, even when they brought back, okay, well, this is why he's doing all this stuff, you know, defending his the honor of his dead friend and all this stuff. I just, I never got used to him as the secondary writer.
0: I like him when they exaggerate his Bruce Lee stick, because I feel like that's <laughs> kind of like the character he works better as. And I feel like his actor is a bit better p- portraying that zaniness. Um... There's that one episode that has the, I want to say Pisces zodiacs, um, uh-huh. where they're all locked into a room, having to figure out a puzzle, and they can't get out of that room until the puzzle. Oh yeah,
2: out. I, I remember that when they're all trying to study for the space exam. Yeah, and space. There's right, this right.
0: one moment where like you see him snap, and like this gas shoots him in the face, and he like he freaks out and does like that Bruce Lee yell, and like he's just <laughs> off in the background by himself.
2: Now, I, I I will say that about, about him specifically. The character, I never got used to. His actor, doing great. Great actor. He's done really well yeah, after the yeah. series ended.
1: I always liked him better in the movies than in the show, I think. You get small doses of him in there, and he plays up the Bruce Lee part, and you're kind of... He's in and out, and it's cool. I feel like they didn't have much to do with him in the show after a while. Well, yeah, once... Once
2: you drop the whole, I'm basically Yagami light in this series <laughs> aspect of him, what was left?
3: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: You know what's great about about him is when he was introduced, when he was brought into the show, that's when the concept of, you know, he's got this whole 80s shtick about him. So it's like, he and Gentero, uh, they represent those two very different eras in space travel. Yeah. And... I just thought that was a very clever thing there.
0: So speaking about actors, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and talking about how successful and some of them were, I want to talk about uh, how uh, Famika she moves. Oh. She moves his career kind of just like who, who kind of who, who oh. saw her trajectory going? Are down, we touching down. this or, or not? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I mean, we reported on it, so. I mean, like, as
2: far as I thought that going back to um, to double, Akiko was about as much annoyance as I could take from the leading lady in a writer series. And then Forze comes along, and I just couldn't with her. Even when they tried to give her depth, she was just so bubbly to the point where I it, it, it went past uh, believability for me. Like, it wasn't endearing anymore, it was just annoying.
3: I was with it because, like, the way she bounces off with Gentaro and the fact that she's the first of his many friends introduced in the show, I thought it was pretty fitting. Because, like, I, I, you, know, you see Gentaro, and you see how he is with his friendship thing and all, and you see these two, and they're getting getting along real well, and she introduces him how to transform and all. I I, I don't know, I thought that those two fit together the way best friends should.
0: I I see that. I definitely see that. I just think maybe the writers didn't really understand the characters very much. Um, I, I felt like a lot of the focus episodes for Yuki were not done by the head writer. They were actually done by Double's head writer. And I feel like that really, really messes with her character arc because he doesn't seem to understand her as much as the head writer does. He... Like Josh said, he, in her episode, she's a very bubbly, bouncy, hyperactive character who doesn't really have any, any foundation to her. And what was it like later on? We get those episodes where everyone thinks she's doing all these terrible things and it's just like, no, this is like 43 episodes into the show. Nobody would think that they're all best friends. Whoever's writing this does not understand these characters.
3: There's the the there's the moment where um, Gentaro hears her say that she doesn't want to be friends anymore. Yes,
0: I, I okay. And I, he breaks. I love that moment. Just hearing him whimper, like yeah. Oh, this is the best. This is such a good actor. I felt it in my heart. Yeah, I I busted up laughing at that. It's still kind of the same thing
2: for that specific episode where you're having to rely more on. Gintaro is so trusting that Mm. he'll believe whatever you tell him at face value. But at the same time, if you think about it any harder, it's like, no, he knows Yuki. He shouldn't fall for this. Exactly. Now, one of the few things that I will give the show uh, narratively is the double cross with Tachibana.
3: That was amazing. Mm
2: -hmm. Because it's like, okay, I didn't see that coming. You know, good on you. But at the same time... I was being a real stickler at the time being like well Tachibana was always the mentor character and the helper character for the original seven riders back in the Showa era so that this character's namesake should reflect that and then I was mad when he ended up being a traitor. Yeah. But that might have just been my hang up. I I realize that.
1: How would you feel about Tachibana and Blade though?
2: That that's a whole different <laughs> that's a whole different card game.
3: <laughs> wow. That was was good. Now there's one
2: thing. There's one thing I always got mad at though, because you know, with Forze we start. You know, the superhero Tyson crossovers. They never did it in the show. They kind of roundaboutly did it in the Tyson ones. Forze never comes into direct contact with Super One, and I never understood why they didn't do that. The first astronaut writer meeting the current astronaut writer. They never did that.
4: Yeah, yeah, that was
2: a really hmm. big missed opportunity, especially if this is supposed to be an anniversary season. Yeah, and the closest okay, you yeah. get is seeing the t- is seeing Super One alongside Meteor in Superhero Tyson.
0: Yeah, yep.
2: Like that's another one of those. Okay, you guys are really dropping the ball here. You own
1: this. You should know what connects your stuff together. Looks like more of the I don't know who directed that one actually superhero tyson
0: i think it was uh kanata um he was a very prolific director osamu kaneda yeah um he, he's done a bunch of movies he and one of the things i've always heard is yeah he doesn't really know how to do movies featuring multiple characters from different shows he doesn't really understand why it's cool to have them all together and ah. as i actually really like the first two superhero tyson movies um i know a lot of people have issues with them but i really had a fun time with them but i I totally see that and i completely understand it i'm with you I on will that
1: say one. i would say like forze i flipped on it i hated the first one at first um and then after we got like a few in i went back and watched the first two and it's like oh these actually kind of embody what they were trying to do having the different... Like, having equals equalish screen time between the writers and the Sentai, and then next one with, you know, Space Sheriff as well.
2: Yeah. I always looked at it this way. the Between the two movies, like, bottom line, both are cash grabs. Yeah. yeah. Easy enough. The first one narratively sucks compared to the second one. I think the second one has a better story to it. But mm-hmm. the reason you're watching either of those movies is to see a field full of writers and Sentai heroes that's basically people as kids like i've got my power rangers action figures and i got my ninja turtles action figures before in space ruined me on that concept and they're just all fighting <laughs> on the floor like that's what that was you wanted to see that and be like oh you got avengers i got this
0: i will say going into it that's one of the reasons i wanted I, everyone wanted to see it but yeah. c- coming out of the very first one I, one of the reasons i really love that first movie is just because it feels like we just had a writer Sentai movie and the main characters were actually the side characters from their TV shows. You know, it was the end. It was uh Gokai blue. They felt like they were the main characters in that movie. And at the time it just felt like such a crazy concept to me that you'd have such a big movie and they would be the stars.
1: I think my problem was that uh, the end was <laughs> one of the main stars. I never really liked the end in uh, his show. So seeing him come back and him being like one of the main quote-unquote heroes i was like oh, that well doesn't it makes sense to it's me it's
2: the thing that end is the villain i can buy it's just that the motivation you gave him was that he was being pouty
1: yeah
3: that's
2: i hated that, that. killed it for me exactly
3: yeah hmm. maybe i have to go back and rewatch it i just i really loved it when i watched it i i, I probably went into that movie just coming off of go and i love go so much and so seeing this huge, massive crossover and seeing everyone come out and having Gokai Red fighting all the Kamen Riders. And so De- Decade being like, well, I'm going to fight all the Sentai or whichever order that went in.
2: And then, yeah, like we've got Decade coming back for the first time in like, what, three years here?
1: Mm-hmm. And is it him? Is it is it his Die Shocker? In the Die Shocker thing? outfit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that always confused me too.
2: I was with it. I was, that part, that
1: part I was with. Going back and watching those two, you, it feels like, yeah, they were a lot better than the ones we get later on, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: going back real quick to uh, to talk about, uh, you know, the, the main show, Forza. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, you guys were saying, oh, you know, we weren't quite with it with the story structure, and later on it felt like it could have been earlier, and... I get that, and so I I talk all the time about how much I love Forze. But here's the thing: I love the show far less than I love the actual Rider. I I don't say that Forze is my favorite Common Rider show. I say that Forze is my favorite Common Rider. I absolutely love Gentaro. I related to him so hard. You know, he's all about his intense love for his friends and and uh, the and the just the importance he places on friendship. Right. I was just so with it. Mm-hmm. And like all of the solutions to every Arts fight has something to do with being friends to the people who are being affected. Mm, and yeah. I I really like the aspect of the zodiacs where they're it's it's all about their insecurities and and it, I see that being a really powerful sort of concept for a show aimed at maybe uh, people going into middle school or even going into high school if they were watching it. Right. Um, and just. Even in even in the final fight, he didn't even transform because he was so dead set on fixing things with friendship. And I mean, on the one hand, I really wanted to see him transform. On the other hand, it, it's it's in fitting with what they were going for. And, and, I, and, I,
0: and I do I do think the uh, insecurity thing really works, especially when you think of it from the perspective of kids going forward into the future. Because as we mentioned, this was in response to the Tohoku earthquakes, and. Yeah it's very hard to understand the magnitude of the of the aftermath without realizing that yeah like 15,000 people died like not 1,500 15,000 people died that was the largest natural disaster in Japan's history so you had a generation of children who were kind of like at a loss and yeah, I feel like it was a really good idea to give us a show where so much of the conflict is predicated on younger people who are unsure and who have these worries and character flaws about going forward into their future.
1: Yeah, I remember, I mean, we did an episode a couple of years ago where we talked about tokusatsu comfort foods. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this definitely fits very well into that because it's very much, you know, it's about friendship. It's about, you know. Facing your you know your sort of dilemmas and fears and stuff like that with your friends and all that stuff it's a very uplifting and fun show
2: and that's basically the the thing that I had to realize when when it came down to it is I had to check myself and be like I'm not the target audience. Mm-hmm. There are people that were definitely affected you know that need this kind of a show much more
1: than I do, so right. i need to I need to chill out. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, it was it was never the the friendship part that bugged me. It was more just the how it was written.
2: Yeah, like the nitpicks don't go away, but I get that the show was definitely forced
0: a particular audience.
1: Right. Yeah. Totally.
0: To me, Forza is kind of like decade in the sense that now I really love both shows, but as a series, neither one of them to me works very good. They work much better. In two episode chunks. Because I feel like that's the story that they're trying to tell. And not necessarily a series long narrative. Mm -hmm. That's true. Agreed. Do
1: do we want to talk about the ending?
2: What I do think I like about the ending is the fact that um, you have an in-show cameo from Haruto. Just walking around with his ring on. And then Mew catches an eye of it, and it's like, ooh, check that rock out. It's like, girl, you don't that. even know.
0: Right after she'd been proposed to?
2: Right after. Right, now, right. And I know it, it might be getting ahead, or I don't know if we're we're ready to move on, but specifically for the, the summer movie for Forze, um, I, I get that there were a lot of those callbacks to other... Uh, Tokusatsu shows throughout that show and then we get a little bit more of that going into Wizard but specifically Wizard's cameo in the Forza movie is probably the best hyped intro for my money that I've ever seen for a writer like that yeah. soundtrack that hits right when he shows up it's like that got me really like I hadn't been that hyped since Double for an upcoming writer
1: is that the one where they're like he's telling him what a common writer is yes
0: okay Oh.
1: yeah
2: like he has to repeat it a couple times
0: yeah i do think yeah like maybe talk about the ending a bit because so everyone does talk about how great that scene in the gymnasium is and yeah that scene in and of itself is probably one of the most moving emotionally poignant scenes in common writer history um i watch it and i get emotional like i watched the the scene where everyone's reading that final note from Kingle after he dies. <sighs> and uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Oh, so fun fact about that. Um, that was the very last scene that the cast shot together and Kingle's actor was off to the side reading the note. So all of their reactions are real and you can kind of just really see that when it comes to, to Gentaro's turn and he absolutely breaks, starts crying and you're realizing, Oh, this isn't acting. This is like the actor is like legitimately sad. And yeah, that was a fantastic moment that gets ruined because... Ruined. Ken- just, yeah, you take it because I know you got thoughts. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah. They have that whole scene with the,
1: the... reading the letter and then they have the whole this, you know, this amazing fight with the bad guy and everything. Like that, and you the slow
0: like, song and... Uh. Slow
1: song and everything and everybody's cheering together and then all of a sudden, you know, they come back and it's a bit more somber and they're kind of moving on or whatever. And then Kengo just freaking shows up and they're like, Oh, do you, he, he just, you know, can come back because he has a cosmic button or a switch or whatever.
2: This is another cases where I wonder like if the deaths weren't like, like death didn't mean anything to me in Forze because like when Gintaro died right before he got cosmic, I'm like, okay, you're going to be fine next episode. Like I, I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me that you're dead, like air quote dead, and then with the same thing here that I felt for philip like why why would you give me this really poignant scene which i even I have to admit, yeah, that's really pulling from the scene like you' you're feeling this toward your fellow fellow actor and you're using it for the scene just to bring him back and undo all of that
1: yeah i it it felt it just felt so cheap and it kind of ruined the show for me honestly. Um, cause I was, I was always kind of iffy on the show watching week to week. And then you get to those last few episodes and just like, this is heavy. This is emotional. And I'm feeling for these characters and I, I'm, I want them to all be happy and, you know, love each other and all that stuff. And then it kind of feels like all that was for nothing because they get their friend back and it felt different than when we had that with double, when Philip comes back I don't know. It felt like they were building up way more the impact of, you know, losing someone like that. And then he just comes back and just like nothing happened. And I don't know that just that pretty that that's the first time. Well, one of the first times where just a single moment ruined the show for me. Mm. And I've never like I want to go back and rewatch it again. But I feel like if I do that, I'm still going to be pissed off at the ending.
3: I think it goes back to, you know, what the purpose of the show was, and I I can... Look, I I totally get exactly what you're saying. It's like, you know, you have this really somber moment, and it carries all this weight because this character is dead, and then he just comes back, and it sort of removes the meaning of that scene, but at the same time, when I was watching it, I was really sad, and then I was really happy because, hey, look, he's back! they have they have a happy ending and it's like that was kind of the whole point of the show so i'm I, yes they missed an opportunity <laughs> they missed an opportunity but on the other hand
1: because well because like uh for example with um with oz we did get that moment with uh ankh and they kind of kept it that way even though he comes back every few years but it's always like a temporary thing. And you kind of just feel like, oh edgy's always on this quest for the probably for the rest of his life to restore be able Ankh, to yeah restore Ankh. and he can somehow he he somehow it happens for like a day or something and then it comes back so it's still kind of that's kind of a way to like kind of dance around that where you still have that mo that kind of notion that oh he still doesn't have his friend and he's still kind of carrying around. Essentially, his ashes.
2: Well, I, I compare it like, Kengo coming back, I didn't feel anything for, versus like, whenever Nadeshko comes back, I'm actually really happy. Hmm. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's right, N- Nadeshiko.
2: If there's one thing that's more of a critique and less of a complaint, is that for the Forze winter portion of the movie war there... Um, I actually wish that was a narrative they put in the show proper because seeing him try to be around Nadeshko and then not knowing what to say and fumbling through his feelings, that was probably the most endearing part of his character was watching all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that worked really well.
1: So do you want to move on to Wizard? I
3: think it's about time
1: we move on to Wizard. Let's move on to Wizard.
2: (laughs) So Wizard... from the get go, because you know, with most of these things, we'll see the suit before we see anything else. Yeah. To this day, one of my top five favorite Heisei suits like Absolutely. that suit, just like just like double, it's so clean. And then, like, the reference there on the chest, like, it's just like V3s but updated. Uh, I really and, and there was kind of like this not quite but kind of reminiscent of Fi's thing going on in the helmet where the visor is basically the whole face, yeah. And then just stylistically, Yaz, yeah, you probably feel the same way. The way that they had to develop the fighting style for him of like, well, we're giving him these these collectible rings, but we can't ruin the rings by making him throw punches. So we're going to have to make him kick-centric. And then yeah. he's doing all these flip kicks and whatnot. And just the execution of him as a writer. Wizard, I will definitely say, had a very strong first episode.
0: I, I feel like... Wizard had a very bombastic first episode, and I feel like that's one of those times where the soundtrack really plays well with what you're seeing on screen. Yeah. Um, to me, my favorite elements of the show were the soundtrack and the action. Um mm-hmm. I will say, however, that belt, my gosh, that thing was loud in that first episode. See, that's and, the thing. I feel like that's this is the first one where it's
1: obnoxious. <laughs>
0: And I feel like it was to a point where even the production crew was like, oh, that's not good. Because by episode two, episode three, they they toned down the volume like a considerable amount on it.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: it's an issue that like toys had for years is the sound balancing issues on some movies where like the belt sounds are really echoey, and other movies, they're really loud, and it's not consistent even through whole episodes or movies. Like, they've always had a problem with that for some reason.
0: This is why you can never hear the songs during fight scenes. Mm
4: -hmm, Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. I really love how the belt says please, though, because it's the magic word. magic word, word.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: I love it.
1: Yeah, uh, this show is... (laughs) It's a mixed bag for me. I think probably for a lot of people.
2: I think... Um, Narratively speaking, for the whole of Wizard, Wizard has a good concept, great design, but really, for my money, after he's done fighting Phoenix, there's no reason to watch the rest of the show
1: yeah uh, yeah i'm I'm slowly going like sort of going through the sh- the show, and yeah, anytime he fights with Phoenix, it's like the highlight of the episode pretty much
0: I feel like with Wizard, if you were to write down like a basic outline of the plot as like, okay, so you have this dude who's fighting bad guys, but it turns out those bad guys are created by his master, who actually gave the dude the his own superpowers. So the entire series, our hero, is actually serving the purpose of the bad guy, because the bad guy wants to revive his dead daughter, who is a who is our hero's friend. Sounds cool. But then you watch the show and it's like, I don't care about any of these characters koyomi's never in the show so you don't have time to form attachment to her by the time she dies it's like eh you were in here like maybe like 20 minutes all series so i don't really care haruto obviously cares and he's a decent actor um but when it comes to that like scene it just i don't feel like he's strong enough to carry the emotion especially lacking of koyomi's presence so that in itself is bad, but on top of that, like I said earlier, to me, wizards signifies like the ultimate rot of the two-part formula, mm-hmm. because so much time is spent on these characters who will never come back, who are not interesting, who don't really serve any purpose to the grand plot other than oh yeah, we're gathering energy or whatever, some nebulous goal, whatever. I don't know. We'll be at for the like, Sabbath. So cool. Yeah, and and it's just yeah. frustrating because. You're watching, or I was watching these episodes thinking, none of this matters, none of this is interesting, and then you have probably my least favorite moment in writer history. Um, So, do you guys remember that two-parter with the dude and his bird? No. Yes. Cool. So, there was a two-parter with a guy and his bird, and the bird, <laughs> like, becomes, I think, a phantom? Um, yeah. And the guy, like, loves his bird. And so they end up saving it. And there's like a joke or something at the end of the second part. And you see the guy start to crack like he's about to fall into, into despair. Episode ends there. And I'm like, holy crap, are we going to do a three-parter? Nope. It was just a one-off joke. And I that frustrated me so much. That was the point when I was like officially done with Wizard. Because it felt like, for just for like a little joke, they completely negated all the themes, everything that was important about Wizard. And the joke wasn't funny. It confused me as a viewer. And it just felt so shallow. And that's when I realized, oh, yeah, no no one cares about what's going on. And it frustrates me even more um, because Wizard was written by the dude who wrote my favorite writer series at that point, Hibiki. And this was his first show since Hibiki. And I was so excited. Wait.
2: Did he write first 31 Hibiki or... First 31 Hibiki, yes. Okay, so the good Hibiki.
0: Yes. And I was so excited about that. And it, it was like, okay, so he's going to get to do like a mystic sort of thing again. It's not as weird looking as Hibiki was. Hibiki looks awesome, but it is weird comparatively speaking. And so it's like, okay, maybe like the toys will sell and it won't be as bad with like executive meddling. And then by episode two or three, he has to have scripts co-written with someone else because this dude doesn't know how to handle the pace of t v writing and uh I, I this show is my least favorite common writer show i uh someone else go please i it's my
1: second least favorite i think Kiva's still my least favorite well i don't know Ghost. see geo geo's uh it it's i say that it's probably
2: one of my most disappointing in that. You know we seem to all agree here that it had so much going for it, and then the follow through just wasn't there, like having Gremlin as the final boss just didn't mean anything to me like this yeah. little guy
1: really that was it, yeah, um, this show only has two redeeming qualities for me is the costume design and the action that's it, yeah, like, I can go back and rewatch the fight scenes over and over again. Because they're just so freaking different than anything that came before and pretty much anything that's come after since. They actually got like a different suit actor who was more into like, you know, XMA and tricking and all that stuff to do these uh, uh, fight scenes where, you know, Wizard is like jumping around, twisting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they it felt like they really tried to like make this show feel different in the action. They even got like a new action director hmm. uh the guy who just who just retired or just left writer the action director
2: yeah 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 uh, i know who you're talking about but i can't remember his name
1: i forget his name but he uh stopped at forze and then came back at ghost so this new guy was here from like ghost until drive it felt like it, it kinda of felt like Go Busters to me where they had like a new action director and new suit actors and it was like just trying something new and it felt like explosive, you know? Mm. With all the action. But then when the action stops and the story starts again and then you see Shumpei goofing around, it's like oh god.
3: <laughs> Why? Um what I can respect about Wizard and its and the way it handled its story elements, like admittedly, I don't remember a ton of the story beats. And I think that's kind of telling in hindsight. While I was watching the show, I really, really liked it. And what I really appreciate about the show uh, is the way it did handle some really dark subject matter at times with this sort of uplifting angle to it of, uh, you know, there's always hope. And just the way that Haruto always tries to give people hope by being that person fighting for them, no matter what. That I, I, I really like that.
1: Hmm. The action director was Hirofumi Ishigaki, okay, and this, the second suit actor was Hideki Sugiguchi, and those are the two different casting for like the at least for the action side of things.
3: Hats hmm. off to both of them,
0: and yeah, I feel like that sort of more animated fight style really works well with Wizard because totally. um, you know people do always say like oh yeah he doesn't throw punches and sometimes i think about that and i'm like wait what and i'll go back i'll watch an episode or i'll watch fight scenes um and it's like yeah he's really not throwing punches this is that is some dedication
2: yeah because when they when they were first developing him they realized if we have him punch he's going to ruin the rings
0: yeah <laughs> or break his hand <laughs>
1: So he's always doing like you know parries, and he's always using his sword or his gun or whatever. Yeah, like he'll use his forearm to block, but otherwise, yeah, he'll
2: kick or use the the aptly named wizard sword gun. I'll give you three guesses on what it does, and you won't need them all. It's
1: a squall of uh, (laughs) right. And unfortunately,
2: like for as much as we're uh, commenting on the uh, the show itself his movies both the movie war and the summer movie just they don't bring anything to the narrative
1: yeah isn't his his summer movie the one with poitrine no that was no, the, the
0: ultimate war yeah oh right okay sorry his and that i think just says like how unmemorable that his summer movie is it's um wait was his, that the magic land one yeah yes yeah. um oh right which again in concept uh so our hero gets transported to a world where literally every single person can become a common writer. you don't really remember that aspect because it's not a great movie um and like leading up to it there were all of these like big announcements like yeah everyone's gonna be a common writer. like all the characters you, you know from the show are gonna transform also we have Deca Red in it so it it should have been interesting but again it just it wasn't there
3: yeah nope. I really liked this was the one that had the 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 not sailor moon right
0: no, that was the, no, uh... no. That was the
2: series. That was oh. in series. Oh,
3: was it? Oh. No, that, that
1: that was no. No, that was Ultimatum. Yeah, that was Ultimatum.
2: Oh no, you're oh, talking was... about Poitrine. Yeah, Poitrine. Yeah. Yes, because Sailor Moon's actress was in the show. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh shoot! I oh, huh?
2: Yeah, she was one of the common writer mages later on. I think the best part about Ultimatum was the Mad Max fight scene.
0: Yeah, that was a really fun fight scene. Um I feel like at the time somebody at Toei really really wanted to keep bringing back Ishinomori heroes because you had like Forze was basically um an Ishinomori hero like a redesign from the 70s then you had Cohtrine who was from the Fushigi Comedy series which was a it basically became a tokusatsu series aimed at women that young girls and that was also from ishinomori then you had the akumizer gang they're another ishinomori series and it's so cool to get all these redesigns and reimaginings and it's just like but they're attached to wizard and i can't bring myself to care as much as i should well some for wizard some
2: for forze because then you had the kyodain for forze yes and the uh the giant
0: satellite and bringing back inazuman inazuman was surprisingly good um I don't know if anyone's ever read the manga, but you sometimes uh. think like, how do they transition that suit faithfully into live action? Like, cause it's just, it feels like it's a naked guy and then they do it and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, that works really well. And again, and it, it is in fact a naked guy. It is a naked guy. Like in, in his TV show from the seventies, he's like bulky. He's got like a stronger Kamen writer, stronger style, of like bulky chest it feels like a soup but yeah the the what we see in the movie is pretty much a one for one realization of the manga
2: i feel like for the for the movie war the way they went about it was like okay let's take the the manga concept but take it by way of like doctor manhattan from
0: watchmen <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and right. we're going to go with that yeah and i'm not sure that really works but yeah, like that's another major gripe. I am a huge Ishinomori fanboy and I've always wanted to see other shows of his reimagined and when they do, they're often associated with a show I really don't care for.
1: Yeah.
2: That sucks. I mean, honestly, that's all I got on Wizard. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's <laughs> um, kind oh, of a
1: disappointing show.
0: So actually, the one aspect I think most people are in agreement of is the show has a really really good ending insofar as it has like three endings so it's got that team up episode it's got when wizard defeats gremlin and then it has when beast of all people defeats white wizard and oh right i think that last one was a fantastic culmination of beast's plot he wasn't my favorite actor or character ever but he was probably my favorite from that show and It felt like, okay, here's like payoff. You have this dude who is like trying not to die the entire series and he finally gets some sort of like, you know, like even if he dies, he does something that really, really does matter in the grand scheme of things. And that felt like it was worthy of a finale. Yeah, I can see that. Admittedly, I will always
2: resent Beast because he led me to do that video where I actually tried to put Japanese mayonnaise on a donut. And I will never forgive the writers for inventing that. It's not good. It's not your fault. (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. It's 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 vomit-inducing. I I also
1: feel like that's your fault.
2: No, I'm still gonna blame them. Uh, (laughs) But no, honestly, like those. um, I feel like those last two episodes of Wizard were the best episodes of decade I'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, like sometimes decade works better outside of his own series. And not for very long. As Geo is currently proving. A little bit. And like it was nice to have everybody there fighting on the same field, using all their super forms. And that's just what it needed to be because it was happening in series like they used to do in Showa. like They used to have everybody have the team-ups in canon, in the show. You didn't have to wait for a movie. So I I really liked that when when they did it.
0: And that was also the first time we saw um, Kolta show up. Yes. And I really... Oh, right. I like that because it felt like, you know, they didn't go to the super extreme of giving us a very detailed how he ends up there, but it's not like he just shows up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, there's a portal and guys need help. Let me jump through it. It just... It, that little touch to me felt like, like, ah, it made it such a good moment. Yeah.
2: Well, it's nice that he has the rationalization of... I heard a child cry for help, so I had to go. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is like, yeah, that's what I want out of my heroes. But then you can still write that off to Magic, I Ain't Gotta Explain Crap, or Decade, I Ain't Gotta Explain, <laughs> explain. Crap.
0: Uh, it's kind of the same thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of the same thing.
0: And what I do enjoy about that is it's, you know, you're getting the preview of that new writer, but it actually feels complete. Like, that's who Kulta is as a person, because as you see in... The very first episode of Gaim, he's that dude who's sticking by a kid who's lost. So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this Kota is the Colta from the TV show. It's he cares about the same things. Yeah, let's get into Gaim,
3: guys. Uh, one Ooh. one quick question before we go oh, yeah. on. Dare you? Please, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Go ahead. Did you did you say that beast died? Because he didn't. No. Okay. I'm no, no. White Wizard. I, did. I thought I heard that at one point, and I was just <laughs> like, oh yeah, well anyway i love
2: beast beast is great i will say that it was interesting that beast's mask was actually a rejected or a design that they didn't go with for ratorata form in o's
3: oh i could totally see that really yeah yeah wow. i that's could totally cool. see that that is a cool that's a really cool detail also yeah. i love that shotaro or, oh my gosh haruto's thing is it's showtime and then he just he's just like well then i guess it's lunchtime yeah that's my favorite my favorite thing ever <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, like Gaim, Gaim, Gaim.
1: So Gaim is the second time, at least for me, where I was eager to watch the first episode because I wanted to know how they were going to do the transformation sequence. I guess the first time was with double. And then this one was like, how are they going to do this?
0: So actually, 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 before we get to that point, um, I think we should talk about who the people creating the show are. So Do it. yes. Yeah, oh boy. Naomi Takebe, she's a producer. She's produced a bunch of writer stuff. She's done uh O's, she did Go Buster, she did Ninninger, she did Kiva. So that part's normal. She's like, oh, it's, okay, cool, we're getting a regular staff member back. Then the writer of all people is freaking Gen Urobuchi, the dude known for the so-called like magical girl deconstruction show where you have like a girl get her head bit off in episode three. And I Madoka think Magica. the perfect example of how people reacted to that was uh, the very first reaction on a message board I saw to uh, somebody reading that he was going to be the writer was that confused smiley emoticon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an appropriate response. It's
0: just cause it's like, okay, it's common writer, Gen It's like, what? No, this can't be real. This can, this literally cannot be real. And, here we are.
3: It was. So here's the thing, is Common Rider, I didn't get into Common Rider until Guyam because I saw the previews with the fruit thing going on, and I thought it was the silliest thing, and that's why I had to watch it. I was just like, this looks fantastic, I don't care what it is, I'm watching it. <laughs> and I, at the time, was unaware of Urobuchi, or his involvement, or what he had done previously. Hmm. And I was in for a ride. <laughs>
2: Well, I think Gaim is one of the two two instances within the last couple of years where there was a semi semi successful deconstruction of what the show, you know, the formula of the show is. And I know a lot of people got into it on the on those grounds that you just said, like the Udo Butcher is working on this, right. somebody's gonna die. And it's like, well, about that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think this was one of those shows where we had like a lot of interviews from the staff. And so, yeah, you do, if you read about it on paper, it's like, so Kamen writers are using fruits and you think uh, maybe they've sort of lost the plot a bit. But then you read about it from Udabuchi's perspective of like, OK, so the last few guys were like a wizard and an astronaut. And yeah, that's easy to make superheroes out of. But then what about fruits? And then he comes at it from the perspective of, But what if you turn those into like the forbidden fruits and using them gives you some sort of power you're not supposed to have. But more than that, what if you turn it into kids who are just playing superhero who don't know the magnitude of what's really going on. And then you evolve that as the series progresses.
3: Little did they know the monsters they were fighting were their friends all along.
2: (laughs) Now, admittedly, I get that this is one of the the series uh, within the last couple of years, again, along with the deconstruction, where it takes a while before you can get to that point where you can go, okay, here's where you finally get the bulk of what's really going on. Like, I think it's around episode 12, 13, or 14 yeah. when you finally get the overall idea of, oh, this is actually what Yggdrasil is trying to do in the city, and this is actually what Kota's gotten himself into.
1: Yeah.
3: It was like episode 12.
2: Yeah, thereabouts, right. So, like, a quarter of the way through, and then you finally find out, oh, this is what's going on. Oh, snap. And if you've got the patience to stick it out that long throughout all the dancing, throughout all the Pokemon-esque episodes, to get to that, then you're hooked Yeah. by that point. Because then you find out, oh, the stakes are a lot bigger, now I actually want to see where this goes. And then, you know, seeing that whole power dynamic between... Uh, Kota and Kaito fighting for two completely different reasons. I fight for my friends. I fight to be the strongest. Like, definitely one of the strengths that Gaim has is the writing of these characters being dynamic enough to, for you to want to see, well, how do you develop as a character? How do we get mm-hmm. from point A to point B to point C? And the power-ups there th- throughout make sense because, yeah, it's that whole thing. It's power you're not supposed to have. And it goes back to those old tenets of what make Ishinomori common writer, of the more you embrace your writer power, the less of a human you are. Mm. And I loved that aspect of it, that the more Kota accepted the power, the more that he was either willingly participating or some would say coerced into accepting the power. He realizes he's giving up more and more of his humanity, but he's doing it for the right reason.
3: What's really neat about that is how they tie it into the biblical story of Adam and Eve, because mm-hmm. they, they, just, they just go all in with the biblical references, and it's, it's, it's neat, because, you know, I, I totally wasn't expecting that out of a superhero show, but hey, this guy's the snake, they're going for the forbidden fruit, and this uh, forest thing is the Garden of Eden. Sure, I'm with it, now he's Fruit Jesus. Got it. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: And the whole thing was like, it has, it has such a compelling story. Like, it was, it was the first time in a long time where I wanted to watch from week to week. But it was also, we did away with the freaking two episode arcs. system. So, <laughs>
2: so, so, yeah, bad. it's That's just
1: bad. one overall narrative. It felt so refreshing to be able to follow a story and not have to basically reset every two episodes. It was, it, this show was a blast to watch. Yeah.
3: That was, like, the first one in years where they had done that, huh?
0: Yeah, since... I think since, yeah, absolutely. probably... Kabuto? Kabuto? Yeah, it, it had been since a while. Since Kabuto, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and it was much needed at that point. It was such a refreshing thing. Like
1: I, I loved, like, the actors and the characters were all, like... Like, even though it took to episode 12 to figure out what was actually going on, I had fun throughout those first 12 episodes. I didn't... I, I didn't feel like it was really dragging for me, and it just kind of went. It just kind of went to like a different gear as soon as it went to. It was
2: more clutter than it did. It, like I don't feel that the series ever dragged, which is something I was very happy for getting out of Wizard. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely it was the the extra added emphasis of you know with the last couple of things it was real easy to point to Wizard. Oh, everything is White Wizard's fault. Uh, Forze, everything's the principal's fault. But whereas in Gaim, you had multiple antagonists that Kota had to put up with. You either had to put up with the invests themselves, the overlords. You had to put up with uh, the DJ who may or may not be on his side. And then you had to put up with Ryoma, you know, being a crazy doctor. And then Kaito himself doing whatever it takes to get power. Like, there were multiple levels here. There was always a threat
3: I think now is a good time to bring up the one and only note that I have here about Common Rider Guy and that I had to mention. Okay. Oren Pierre Alfonso Common Rider Bravo, the most magnificent of Common Riders.
2: <laughs> the most extra.
3: The most extra. You know, you've got all these children playing Pokemon, and then you have the one older adult, the, the one older person, who's like, ooh, a trend I can hop on. <laughs> Although it might have been more like, oh, look at the cuties I can hang out with.
0: Ooh, Which, that's a weird angle.
3: <laughs> it is a weird uh... angle, but let's be real. And he's the only actual soldier
1: in this
2: movie.
3: Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, has the, he had this infatuation with Zangetsu. Yeah,
1: I always felt like he was the only one in the most dangerous game kind of thing like he was yeah the only skilled one
0: yeah and and i i really enjoyed that as goofy as he was as like you know people like brody did like people remember him as pierre or alfonso but like yeah he's a military man so as goofy as he is sometimes you feel like that's a bit of a front for the person that he really is
2: yeah. Well, I love the episode specifically where he gets trapped in the forest and he sees the the fruit there and he remembers his training like, no, I'm in a foreign place. This is foreign fauna. I need to not eat this. Yeah. Like the training comes back. Now, I do hate how in a lot of episodes he's kind of the butt of the joke for being flamboyant. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, everybody was mostly a strong contender um, it was kind of weird the interplay between him and Goodidon towards yeah. the second half of the series, like yes. where where are you guys going with that? Like are you going to commit to this is a weird thing because there is a bit of an age gap there but then on top of that Toy, you're not exactly the best with representation so where what exactly are you doing here? Is this a mentorship or something else?
3: Yeah, what, I mean I always thought of it as a mentorship and I thought that it was, um, you know, especially when, oh, shoot I forget his name, um, the Griddon's friend from before. Hase. Um Yes, yeah. yes, Hase. once he dies, um, once he goes away, he's on Riddle's on his own, and I I thought that it was really nice that they had uh Oren sort of fill that void that void left by uh
0: Hase. Mm. hmm so- something that did bug me a bit in that regard is um it comes up like much, much later than it probably should. That someone's like, "Hey, uh, Gridon, you ever want to, you ever wonder what happened to your old friend?" He's like, "Ah, huh, yeah, how about that? Uh, where, where's he been?" And it's just like he he felt he feels like one of those characters that does fall to the wayside because he's not really as tied to the grand plots and drama that everyone else seems to be. And I feel like maybe. You know, I like him a lot as a character. He's probably my favorite Rider suit in the show. But I feel like maybe he should have been killed off at some point just because after a while it's like he doesn't really transform. He goes almost 10 episodes at one point without transforming and it just it feels like there's no point in having him be there other than yeah, we need another dude so we can fill out this really cool roster and have a really big Rider fight scene.
3: He does kind of go to the wayside at par- at points and you bring up a valid point that he sort of didn't care or didn't notice that Hase was gone. Uh, at times, or I remember early on him being just this really sort of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was he, he he was not a great guy. Like he was a dick. He, he, he yeah. yeah oh yeah thank you. There's the word. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say weasel, and I'm like well, no, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, thank you. Um yes no basically yeah and he evolves and becomes someone new as time goes on and as he sort of uh mentors with Oren and i don't know I, I just sort of appreciated how they handled his character sure he he's not central to anything but the way they did handle him i i was there for it
0: i wanted Hase to survive instead yeah i w- i wanted him to come back at some point that wasn't the movie now, there's there's two things we
2: have to talk about if we're talking about Gaim. One, it is arguably the best female character that we've ever had to oh. be able to transform in Yoko Minato.
0: Ooh. Yoko mm. is great.
2: Yoko is a great character. I hate how they played her at the end.
0: Yes. I that's hate... My, that's my thing, yeah. So, yeah, like, okay, at that point, yes, she is the best female writer. By virtue of being one of the very few to last more than a couple of episodes or one movie but yeah like josh said the way they play her towards the end like she goes from being scheming and like wanting to be in power be next to somebody who's in power just to you know wanting to be behind kaito not necessarily the person who's going to be the strongest and uh like i don't like how she basically dies and like he's like eh, yeah, whatever like he doesn't care and it feels like such a waste of a really fantastic actress, suit, and character. And yeah, there there are problems I have with her. Now, admittedly, when it comes
2: to Yoko, though, the reason that she does that—I I look into later—is because they were going into this whole Sengoku Goku era thing. Was specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. they were they were trying to make Kaito be Nobunaga. And Nobunaga had his right-hand lady who died for him too. So that's what they were playing with there. So I get it was a kind of a callback to a trope that Japanese fans would know. But if you don't know that information, it comes off really hollow.
0: I feel like even if you do know that information, it's like, okay, cool. But is Rider, with its history of female characters, really the best place to do that? Just because it feels like, yeah, it, it's a thing that does happen in literature in Japan. But like, we had a very strong character here. Could you maybe not have changed it a little bit towards the end?
1: Yeah, I feel. I feel. I, I didn't like the whole. I just want to be behind the strongest character, or the strongest person. Like she felt like she was the strongest person for the. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see time. her make a power grab. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was. She was the freaking like strongest one at the like at one point make her it's the final like... villain
3: <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was kind of weird how she had the she had see you you were talking about the weird dynamic with uh oren and uh, grid on but i mean yoko and kaito uh I, no yeah I, I she, thought that yeah was yeah
0: weird. that was a uh, there was an yeah. age gap
3: yeah i mean not nearly as big yeah, no no I, I guess not like I, I couldn't quite tell what the age gap was, which is why I was kind of like, "Well, okay," but at the same time, it came off as a little strange to me.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I was so disappointed by how they handled her character, but she did. Before that. that, I was like, she was like one of my favorites, and the fact that she was actually in her own suit doing her yes. own stunts—just like, come on, that's just dope. The pinnacle of badass. Got to give credit to. That. Yeah. Now,
2: we talk about Yoko and we put her on a pedestal, but then we gotta talk about the douche, Michi.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh okay, okay, listen. Oh. I gotta start with the one thing I need to say about Michi. I absolutely cannot stand the fact that they gave him the redemption they did in the final episode because I did not think it was earned in the slightest, and I'm very I, angry I that Kota was I so willing to accept his apology.
0: That's a that's a problem I had with Kota as a character throughout the show. Um, I remember there was a point mid-game where I just became so, so frustrated that episode after episode after episode, he wanted to give Michi a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chance. And like, there's one point that sums it up perfectly. It's when he says, well, maybe we can give Michi another chance. And then Kaito and Yoko just like roll their eyes at him and it's like, yeah. Yeah, can can we maybe drop this plot thread at this point, please?
3: I mean, he, like, he literally tries to murder his own brother.
2: Well, because I think what worked better is that we were all convinced for the longest time, you know, watching episode to episode, he did convince his brother. We liked his brother up to that point, and then the visage of his brother is haunting him. Those were really strong episodes.
3: Yeah, agreed. Yeah.
2: You know, and then seeing him... You know, you see that he's already kind of got a streak of, I'll do anything for my friends. And then we see just how far that idea is pushed in Michi up to the point where, like, he's willing to kill for it. For his concept of things. Um, and the show makes you hate him. You know, the way he's being so possessive of Mai as yeah. well.
3: Yeah, like, it, it's less of, I'll do anything for my friends, and more of, I would die for Mai.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the perfect way to sum up Michi's character is that one screenshot of him partying with his friends and the subtitle text, I'll betray anyone. Yep. (laughs) That's him. Yep. Yep. Now, I I will say all of this mess about him, but honestly, he's
2: probably one of the best antagonists the shows have ever had.
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: And I think that, to me, that sums up a lot of what I think Ryder does better than Sentai, as far as Toei, Tokisatsu's go, is that they're not afraid to give you a hero and then just straight up make him a villain for the rest of the show. And mm-hmm. it had been a while before we had it, since we had anything like that in Ryder. So it just felt very refreshing. It was just another element in the fruit punch of Gaim's storytelling uh, fruit punchness wow. that got away from me.
2: Now, the one thing I will say, though, is going back to the whole th- I agree with you guys like I probably should have been, it would have been more satisfying for me if Michi got his at the end. But one one way one person put it to me by the end of it, especially by the very, very end, and I think going into the movie war, was, you know, why does Kota keep giving him chances? And then somebody told me, what, you really expect the Messiah character? Oh. You really expect fruit Jesus to not forgive someone?
3: Oh my, oh! <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then I was like, oh, oh, you're Josh. right. Josh. Why did I not see that?
3: You know what? Okay. It's it's been like literal years since I've watched Gaim and you just blew my mind. Well, yeah, because he's the <laughs>
2: self-sacrificial messiah character. Of course, of
3: just course. like Madoka. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Dang.
1: See, I, I, I remember watching that sort of quote-unquote epilogue, and I remember everybody being pissed off at it, but I was like kind of okay with it and i remember to think like because you see him like at the end of the show and he's kind of isolates himself from everybody else and everybody else trying to kind of trying to tell him to come on and join and he's kind of just on his own kind of depressed and stuff and then he gets visited by (laughs) the messiah or whatever (laughs) and then then all of a sudden he gets a wardrobe change and he kind of resembles uh, comrade of black almost in a way and then they him and him and game fight side by side and i don't know by the time they saw them like running towards the bad guy and they're fighting i was just like you know what i'm cool with this he, he's he's getting a second chance uh his friend is by his side i don't know i i i was okay with that turnout
0: i feel like maybe i would have been more okay with that if I don't know. Maybe we got, and this only would have been okay in retrospect if we had gotten a Gaijin Gaiden that focused on his character, like going through some sort of redemption arc. Yeah, it did. It, yeah. did, it was very quick because there were actually plans to do a third series of Gaiden, Gaiden movies, um, but I guess maybe they the, could have done it. The second set maybe didn't sell as well. Um, because hmm. with the second set, there was a questionnaire that said, Hey, like if we made a, a third series, like who would you guys want to see come back? And it was like, Yoko, uh, Michi, a bunch of like, or a bunch of other characters and like, like Michi, I think really needed his own feature. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think it goes to, it, it It just goes to show, you know, I talk about how much I hate Michi and how much I, I did not forgive him and whatnot. And just the fact that I have such a powerful—and not just me. Just the fact that there is such a powerful reaction surrounding Michi's character, it shows how good of a character he is.
2: And how good of an actor the actor was uh, portraying that. The other thing that I liked about Gaim compared to other series is, you know, when you think about the formula of, you know, Sunday morning tokusatsu, it's kind of this thing of, you know, if I stop to think about it, like Power Rangers is an example of this, you know— If I don't live in Angel Grove, I'm actually probably pretty okay. Because the monsters only seem to attack here. Whereas in Gaim, they address the fact that, no, this forest is invading here underneath Yggdrasil, but it's going to affect everybody. And then eventually you get to the episode
0: where, because of the
2: overlords, the the U.S. gets nuked.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, I remember having such a strong reaction to that. Um, Same. Not just because America got nuked, because... But there's this one point where you see these missiles heading towards the overlord and like he just stops them in midair. And I recall it being like a a low angle shot. And just something Mm -hmm. about that really shows off the magnitude of his power. And something Gaim really did well was it had the ability to show scenes where characters were actually or it felt like they were actually in danger. Like with early on Mm -hmm. with Zangetsu in When Everyone Goes Through the Forest, He's fighting people and he's beating them off with a shield but he's actually like actually beating them quite badly and i remember thinking oh crap i'm actually fearing for some of my favorite characters in here and that doesn't yeah. happen often in writer
1: yeah you're totally right there was definitely stakes in this show and they showed it they showed it progress really well throughout the episodes to the point where it's just yeah you it mm-hmm. almost it at one point, it almost became Game of Thrones-esque.
2: <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I can't really say much for the summer movie because it doesn't bring anything to the narrative. I can't say anything about the movie war because it doesn't really bring anything to the narrative. The only movie I can comment on is Heisei vs. Showa.
3: Oh, yeah. Heisei vs. Showa.
1: Featuring Super Sense. <laughs>
3: featuring
2: super sentai <laughs> oh yeah this is where this
1: is where it becomes more of a common rider movie than a common rider sentai
3: movie mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah
2: oh no it was the tokyujur's in that one right yeah.
1: yeah
3: yeah oh wow that was you're right that was the same year as tokuger because they did the crossover
0: right Yeah, and i feel like that tv show crossover crossover was the better of the two crossovers they had that year oh totally well, it was worth it for Zangetsu looking out the window and being yeah. like, "What do you
2: mean? There's a giant robot out <laughs> that there?" That was
0: the
3: greatest
2: moment. <laughs> and then, that
0: was the greatest moment. He just looks back and gives like an incredulous like smile, like he has no idea what he just missed. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that that moment was great. Although I I rank it slight, very slightly below the moment where they where the Tokyujers and Gaim transform at the same time, and yeah. and they're just like. Is, looking at is that each an other. Orange? And he's just like, what, what are these trains doing
2: here? And then we can't miss the Kakiter team up.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, we can. Dad. We can. We can.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Gaia was full of crossovers, wasn't it?
2: A little bit. Ugh. Now, I have to give credit where credit is due because they brought back Hiroshi Fujioka there for Heisei versus Showa. Yes. Although everybody's rationale for fighting is bull. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to try and tell all of us, like all you Heisei writers, you're too motivated by death. Not like us Showa writers. It's like V3 you, Your family Your opening theme is literally about you avenging your family.
1: It's in the song X,
2: your, the your song X, your song talks about you avenging your dead dad
0: Like, you guys are all You started it! X, your girlfriend was killed. Amazon, your best friend was killed. Stronger Your your sidekick was killed. Everyone death everywhere. your
2: best friend was killed.
0: Z-Cross, your series was killed before it happened.
2: I know. Ooh. And it's like... Wow. <laughs> We're not gonna pull it. We're not gonna pull the punches. It, yeah. Like, you're gonna come into my house and you're gonna tell me what's wrong with me when you're literally doing that right now.
0: <laughs> I will say in retrospect, these damn kids, the moment I... Purely from a comedy standpoint, the moment I absolutely love in this movie is realizing Kota is not saving that flower at the end because of some altruistic need to protect peace and beauty. (laughs) He's saving that flower because he is a writer based on a plant and that flower is a plant and they have some sort of weird connection going on. Not because he's like this peaceful loving dude. He just wants to protect plants
1: uh i thought it was be- i thought i thought he saved the plant because of a poll on, on a website
2: <laughs> i just like that we got to revisit kusaka for a second if only to piss off takumi one more time
0: that was another thing like <laughs> you brought back all of these writers and uh i i feel like, yeah that's the, that's the movie takumi came back that's the movie x came back
1: oh i thought that was a. uh, uh... No, that the was 3
0: one.
2: one. Are those coming Well, he came back for that one, too. Oh, this right. One was, okay, sorry. He came back for this one first.
3: Right,
1: right, right, right.
3: And, I mean, you want to talk about actors transforming alongside other actors who come back.
1: Good God, yeah. That, was, that whole lineup, right? Yeah. yeah. The only part that I thought
2: was weird about that, and I guess it must have been a scheduling thing, is that you see Wizard come onto the under the bridge with everybody and they all fight. And then he powers down to reveal, oh, wait, you guys got Haruto back, too? Why didn't he transform with everybody? Uh, but he transforms later on into Infinity on alongside Faze and X. Yeah. But I just wanted him to transform alongside Shotaro and Decade and everybody else on the bridge.
3: You know, yeah. sin- Since we're bringing up Wizard coming in back, I mean, there was the there was the crossover movie with Wizard and. And they they transformed into a bunch of like previous common rider forms in that one, and I just loved all of the jingles for that one, and m- most notably Zangetsu. the wizard for wizard arms. Where well, I mean, yeah, sure, we could talk about Zangetsu and his Forzai arms and how he goes, uchu, N- no, and that's
2: right. all we're doing of that.
3: <laughs> and that's all. And that's all. Uchu. And that's all. <laughs> and, like, that's the yeah. That was beautiful. But I, I I'm a particular fan of the jingle for wizard arms where where it goes show showtime
2: Well I huh. I think it's funny in that right after that happens when he transforms Beast is like all right let's go get him. and uh Kota has to correct him no you're talking to the guy next to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> I remember seeing a a a a meme or something where it's like everybody else on the bridge is you know very chill and you know sitting you know kind of stationary when they're very and then gaim is just kind of just
3: waving <laughs> yes yep. <laughs> yeah he's got he's got gaim has a bit of a strange uh transformation pose
1: i love it i this is my. it's one of my favorite ones because it's just so like extra
3: it is it is very extra. i love it the episode where he comes up with it was gorious. episode two
1: that was yeah episode two yeah
3: yeah yeah he's he's in his room just practicing different ways to transform (laughs) and just his sister's hearing the jingle over and over and over and i'm like that's me
2: that's the fandom (laughs) that's us messing with our loud toys and our significant others or family members are like shut
3: the hell up you've
1: been doing it for hours but also he's like (laughs) he he uses he's using his transformation at work oh crazy. right because well, he didn't know what to do with it, like he's, <laughs> he's
3: like, yeah. playing okay, so at I can all the transformative this thing, and now now what i what am I supposed to do with this man, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, so they was Gaim definitely was a breath of fresh air compared to wizard
3: they there's a lot of a lot of um personality thrown into Gaim.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: in addition to all the dark elements
1: and I mean whatever you say about certain elements of the story is it just felt it felt very uh must watch tv almost yeah which doesn't mm-hmm. happen that often anymore mm-hmm. where you have like it's like everybody's kind of glued to the tv and everybody's talking about guy like it it's rare that that happens i was literally watching shows.
3: each new episode in my programming class in high school because it wasn't blocked on this one website and I had, like, a couple people who were, like, watching it next to me just because I had it on. And we got done our assignments early all the time.
1: You said you watched it in high school?
3: Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I, li- listen, li- when you when you brought up the fact that Tokyujur was airing alongside it and I, and I had to remember that, I was just like, wow, but Tokyujur feels so much more recent than Gaim to me. And I don't I don't know. Uh-huh.
2: Now, maybe you guys know this better than I do, I remember hearing a rumor towards the end of this uh, end of the run that the reason it went on longer and we didn't get any sort of preview for Drive was because it was so popular that they were trying to give it more room to flesh
0: out the ending. I don't remember hearing. I mean, I don't know. Um, Did, I thought it was something to do
1: with, like, Urobuchi wanting more time to write flesh up the ending
2: yeah that sounds that sounds more like it yeah
1: but i don't know if that's true
2: well this in either case this is one of the few times where we didn't get any sort of preview of drive going in you just had to watch drive yeah
0: all you need is drive speaking of let's transition into that let's Let's, shift gears switch lanes shift shift gears please stop please stop shift (laughs) gears switch lanes (laughs) Tomare. <laughs> um, so after... Oh, dude. What's up? Never mind. What? What you got?
1: Was, I, was his name a pun that I didn't get until just now?
2: Yeah, Shinnosuke Tomare. Uh, tomari. Tom, like Tomari, meaning stop.
1: Damn it. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, his name is Stop, and the second
2: writer is Go. Stopping Go. I love it. I um, love
3: it
0: so much i terrible. So. I love also, the to. Speed
2: Racer reference there. M- yes! Go is Maha. Yeah, yeah. Maha yeah. Go yes. Maha is a Maha white Gogo. rider. That's the name. And he's a white yeah. rider, yeah.
3: Maha Go-Go. Oh, uh, yes. I Look, I'm so happy someone brought it up.
2: Like, okay, so Drive... I was initially against the idea of, wait, this guy doesn't have a bike? What, what the hell? And I after getting
1: through the whole season I love drive so much. <laughs> I was I was so for having it be a car because I was like these riders don't freaking use their car their bikes anyway, so what does it matter at this point? And he used Tritron. Yeah. It was his mode of transportation.
3: If I get a red car, because I'm I'm car shopping right now for my first car, uh-huh. and if it's if I get a red one, that's what I'm calling it. It's but also, what I what I love about the show is it feels very straightforward and almost retro with its focus on justice and just being a cool superhero. I, I don't know exactly if that's the right way to put it, but...
2: I think Gaim, is, Gaim was one of those series where there were too many gimmicks going on, but then eventually they had to focus on the story. I kind of feel like it was the same thing going into Drive, where... For me, the, the, there's certain things that'll keep you watching for a bit, but it's not really until they're done introducing all the shift cars within the first, like, 15 episodes that the series really has a chance to breathe and
0: be its own show. I Okay, so coming off of Gaim, which is an amazing show, maybe not my top three, but it's a really great show. And then knowing that Drive was going to be written by the dude who did Double, the dude who did Kyoruger, the guy who produced Kyoruger was doing Drive. I, I had such high expectations. I liked the Tridoron thing. I wasn't really against a rider without a bike because, I mean, really, do they ride bikes? Um, boy, I did not like Drive like right from the get go. Uh, I came around to liking the theme song, but the first time I heard it, like I watched it live, it was like, ah, oh, this is kind of bland. And then I watched the first episode and it's like, ah, I don't, I don't really like these characters. And I kept watching and I was waiting for that to change. Like the first episode of Guy felt very generic, very bland, um, but it got a lot better very fast. That never happened with Drive for me. I the characters reminded me a lot of Go, of Wizard in that they were very goofy, but it didn't feel like they added to the show in the way I think the production team wanted it to wanted them to be. I I didn't really like the cases, which is a shame because it's it, you know, it's it's a, a a cop show, so of course it has to be case by case, which sucks because right after Guy and they had broken the two episode format, we're back to it. And right. it's a lot of Okay, I will say I like the case the individual cases in Drive a lot more than I do in Wizard, because I feel like they fit the narrative a lot better. But I don't know, I just I found it very hard to connect with any of the characters in drive and the whole story with the Roy mude being like this very tragic race. By the end of it, I was just like, y'all know that last fight scene that Shinosuke has against brain where like you can tell he's so tired. He doesn't want to transform. He doesn't want to fight him. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, can we not do the
2: the fight with heart heart heart
0: heart? Yeah. Like, when he's in the rain he just he looks so pathetic he's like i don't want to do this and that was me as a viewer like can we please not do this can we just get one of these guys who doesn't die a super tra- tragic death it felt i hesitate to say this because i do like it when they do tragic stuff but it felt very manipulative it felt very unfair to the roy mude it's just like at some point i wanted i wanted some happiness to come out of it And like, as you know, I know people say, "Ah, Gaim's a depressing, dark show. But like, no, to me, that was Drive. Drive was the show that gave you these villains where if you think about them, they're very sympathetic because they're treated like crap and they're kind of like pushed into becoming monsters and they just want to live. And at the end of it, there's one guy left and he dies a sad death. And it's just like, what did we learn here? (laughs)
2: You learn that it's a total callback to Blade Runner. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a synthetic life form. There's only one dude left and he dies in the rain. That's totally Roy Batty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is.
2: It's a callback.
0: that's true. But yeah, I just, that was the one real sense of emotion I got out of drive was feeling manipulated. And I don't like that because I didn't really enjoy any other aspect of the show. Um, okay no actually there was a stretch of like 10 episodes in the middle that i really really liked leading up to the nira arc and that episode where he where uh, shinosuke is trapped in the office with him and they're doing the whole like yes. face off that was a really fantastic fantastic episode and I think, those are great episodes yeah they really show how strong of an actor um ureoma takeuchi is especially mm-hmm. like one of my favorite scenes in Olive rider is when he takes his gun out and he's like he's almost crying he says I'm a common Rider but you know I can't really do anything and it's like oh you feel bad for him and it's like oh yeah the show is really good at manipulating me um yeah I just I don't know it's very hard for me to enjoy the show because it feels very mean-spirited almost um and I don't really like the heroes. They don't seem super cool to me. There was one moment where I thought, oh, this is cool. And that's when Shinosuke, early on, is fighting hard. He's going to transform. And I think it's that same episode where like he blows himself up. And it, there, something about that felt very heroic to me. But other than that, it was just like, Ugh, I don't like this. And we're back to having like female characters who are like kind of just there to serve the main dude.
2: Well, I, I can absolutely agree with that, that as far as Kiriko is concerned, she was shortchanged. Like, there was no reason, no actual reason given as to why she couldn't transform. Because she was proving, through multiple episodes, she was totally capable of dealing with Roy Mutes if you give her the tech. So, them not giving her the chance to transform felt cheap, yeah. Like, she was just serving Shinnosuke. Uh, as far as the heroes go, um, Shinnosuke is probably my least favorite out of the three. Not to say I don't like him, I do... But compared to Go, who I ended up liking more, who was more of that old school feel, he's got a muffler, he rides a bike, he spins before he kicks, was great. And then you get to Chase, who has this really complete redemption arc, going from Machine Chaser into becoming common Rider Chaser, and reaffirming the thing he was originally designed for. I love that so much. Now, going going into, like, those sort of things, like the callbacks there, those are great. Do I like some of the tech? Not so much. I think the 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 signal acts is kind of goofy, but you know I, I deal with it.
0: So yeah, like so two things I wanted to mention were like first, going back to Kiriko, is not just that there wasn't really any reason for given for her not being a rider, but she was also Bono's daughter, but that never really comes into play. Like you never really see her affected by it in the way that Go is affected. True. True. It, it feels like. You could have said that goal was Bono's only child, and it would have, nothing at all would have changed um so second point was chase is wow, when he transformed into a common writer, I felt nothing, and that was the point when when I realized, oh, oh, this show is not doing it for me because there was a ton of lead up to what should have been a very important moment. But even when within the episode, I remember it didn't feel like the climactic moment of that episode. It felt like it, it was happening off to the side while the main action was going on elsewhere. And it was just like, I don't know if the show knows how to handle itself. Well, I I like I had
2: the exact opposite reaction. I thought it was really well-deserved when he did transform. And not only is he able to do that, and he's won over Shinnosuke for defending Kiriko, but now he's got to prove himself to Go, who just has this slight against him. But that also goes into those whole episodes where Go has to act like a villain yeah, uh, for like, I, I think it's like six or so episodes before he can finally reveal, no, I was just trying to find out more about what Bono was trying to get going. But aside from that, it's like, I Geim was one thing, like, I really enjoyed it, but Drive has it for me in that I got to watch the very last episode as it aired there in Japan. Because that oh. was the first time I got to go to Japan yeah. and check stuff out for myself, so it was interesting because looking around for Drive stuff, like, it, it's the end of the season when I got there, so they were already starting to put up stuff for Ghost, and I was desperately trying to find a mock driver and everybody had them marked up. Like, no, we we know this is the chase thing. Everybody wants this. You are not going to get it for cheap.
3: <laughs> you you know about Ketiko, um They they literally had a scene where they show that she was the first choice to be common rider drive, and then she tries to transform and it just doesn't work. And that that was just a shame.
0: What what's kind of worse is like. Isn't this the season where like the belt's alive? So, dude, you're kind of a dick.
3: It wasn't about him though. It was about I don't know. Too just, just weak to handle the power. I don't know.
2: Well, see that doesn't that doesn't hold up to scrutiny on on two fronts. One, it's like, well, if she's not strong enough, she can train. We clearly had a whole training montage back in O's for Goto to become Bird. Yeah. So it's not like you can't do that. And then second, yeah, like you're bringing up. Like, Mr. Belt, aren't you a piece of machi- machinery? Can't we just tune you different to work with Kiriko? Yeah. Like, we can fix this.
3: She really should have had her moment. Like, if ever there was a time to do a female common Rider, she should have had her moment. Yeah. Even, even if just in a movie. Even if just in a movie. Just at all. Having Kiriko be a common Rider would have been amazing. That is, like, my biggest complaint about the whole show. Because I actually really like uh, Go and Chase's arc. The fact that Chase is learning to love and experience heartbreak and just learn what emotions mm-hmm. are in general. Yes, and, yes. And it's and with Go, it's sort of like he hates him for a couple reasons. On the one hand, he's this villain who hurt Kitiko in the past or something like that. And on the on the other hand, he's also her brother looking out for her. And so and meanwhile, Chase has these feelings for her. And so watching those two, watching go learn to learn to care about Chase, I I really got behind that. It's
2: it's one thing that I hate, uh, specifically for a, a season like this where like it's no it's no like secret that Kitiko's actress actress is very attractive. But it was, like, towards the second half, you're right. Like, Go is the only one who has ownership of taking on Bono directly, and then we have to take a sideways step for a second just to put Kiriko in a wedding dress with legs showing for Chase to save her. Like, that that was one episode where I was like, what's the point of this? Like, you guys have completely neutered her character. Now she's the damsel in distress.
1: Is, she, is that the one where she's falling from the building?
2: Uh, it... I don't think it was that specific she was kidnapped. Oh. oh okay. And it was within like the last 10 episodes or so.
3: One of the really satisfying parts about the ending was how Shinosuke got to settle down and have his happy ending and just sort of like he reaches an end to his entire character arc in a way that like he like he gets a sort of closure that I feel like most common writers don't get the same way.
2: I agree, I agree.
3: Like I mean even with Kota uh Kota becomes Space Jesus and goes off to live his life on this new planet or whatever with Mai. And that's cool and all, but Shidosuke gets to have a family and it isn't that great.
2: And the, the going into that, Drive is one of the few cases where both movies, the the movie war and the summer movie are canon. Yeah. And what I love so much about Drive is every time they bring back a piece of Drive, they keep to that timeline.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really appreciate just how Drive was handled in general with regards to that. And, you know, I really, I really, I don't know, I appreciated Drive a lot. And I wanted to cosplay him and I just couldn't figure out how the heck they made that visor.
2: There, there's a way of doing it. <laughs>
0: So like even just going about to how they keep to that timeline um, in the Overquartzer movie and in the recent episode of Geo, something that feels important is the fact that, that um, Chase died protecting Mok and they keep bringing right. that up and like, yeah, that, that does seem to matter. And I, you know, I'm not a fan of the show, but I think for fans of the show, that's probably really cool that they do keep, you know, it feels like these are the characters from the TV show that you watched. It doesn't feel like they're alternate versions of them, right? Yeah, it has that
1: whole same thing with Oz and Ankh, where Ankh is still technically gone, kind of thing.
3: Yeah, they they every time they've brought back, uh, you know, go A G and or I was going to say A G and uh, Ankh in the in the Hasty Generations movies, or you know, they 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 keep they they brought them back and they still kept within the canon and within that epilogue in the Gaia, wait, no, not Gaia crossover, in the forza crossover, um they, they kept it canon basically, without uh, having to not do what they wanted to do with it, and that was neat yeah, well
2: it's kind of the the same thing I was going to say, the way they bring back Aji and Ankh, Aji's always trying to find a way to bring back Ankh, it's the same thing they do with Go they've consistently shown, every time Go comes back, he's trying to bring back Chase, yeah, yeah
1: yeah, I don't really have too much to, uh, else to say about Drive. Uh,
2: uh, there was also the the Common Rider three and Common Rider four spinoffs.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked Common Rider four just because it kept killing Go, and I remember at that point <laughs> in the show Go was kind of frustrating. <laughs> so I'm like, I get that. Uh, I'm cool this.
1: <laughs> I just like seeing Taco Me Back again. That was cool. It that was nice. It was cool seeing
2: Taco <laughs> Me Back, and I was actually more cool with Kamen Rider 3 than I thought I'd be. Like, I actually ended up liking the design. I love that suit design. The design. This design and his car, too. And his song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's that guy? Um,
0: mm-hmm. I also really, really loved Kamen Rider 4's suit design. That was probably my favorite of from, like, that little series. And just the fact that... Mm. They kept finding new ways to give a rider a vehicle. So they're like, okay, we got a dude who rides a bike. We got a dude who does a car. Let's give this guy a plane. Like, yeah. that <laughs> just comes out of nowhere and it works so well for me. I
1: was waiting for the
0: boat. <laughs>
2: yeah, the crime-solving boat. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to mention was uh, just... Just hats off to that to that uh car ranger reference. Because yes. cars. <laughs>
2: yeah. The roll call episode. Well, okay, there were there were two roll calls that the, he threw back to. One was Car Ranger and the other was um Bull Ranger? No, no, no. It w- it was a Metal Hero series. It was uh I think it was Wind
1: Specter. Oh Wind Specter. Yeah, 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 yeah. When he transformed inside the car when he yeah, yeah. in the car. Yeah. That was probably my one of my most hype moments in the Whole thing was just like because I just watched Inspector a few years before, and I was like, "Yes, I think Inspector."
0: Speaking of like like little meta moments of appreciation, two things that I really did enjoy were um so there's one moment where Shinosuke is figuring out a plot, and like you see the like the scenes appearing above his head, like like it's all it's all like coming into play, it's all working piecing together for him, and then you just see like in the background, Gold takes like a mallet out and starts smacking them down like that was so amazing like i love that as meta humor it just because like yeah at that point like that seemed like a normal thing like shinose would think about something you'd see the scenes revolve around his head and it was just like oh that's cool but then you get to see go actually interact with it and like ah they, yeah. they should have done more with that
3: yeah I think they sort of did that. They did that sort of meta, uh, meta humor thing a bit in build, if I if I recall. But we will get to that.
0: Yeah, and my other like little favorite bit of, I don't know if it's meta humor, but it's something you you really have to notice is, the first time Go appears and he's doing all those flips like around buildings and stages. Every time he flips, he's wearing a different pair of pants. <laughs> every single time, yes. It's like five <laughs> I to, thought it was shirt. shirts or pants or something. But like he's always in a different outfit. It's like five times within like 20 seconds or something.
3: Yeah. You know last year I was doing this motion capture class and I and the one day we uh I directed this one guy to do the mock uh it was it wasn't the transformation pose it was his roll call pose and so I have motion capture data of that now. <laughs> cool.
2: And the other thing around that was humor wise specifically for the Chaser V Cinema. The first time he shows up to everybody acting human, and there's that oh, giant right. spit take that they do on Go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Like, he, they did that to him. <laughs> like, those actors spit on him.
0: And not, that was so much. Not just that bit, but, like, Belt having the spit take as well it was exactly. the cherry That's on top. That's insult to injury. <laughs> like, yeah. that,
3: was, that was fantastic. The
2: lead
0: up was so good
2: because it's like. You know, you see them, you know something's about to happen because they all happen to be sipping a drink. And then, for no reason whatsoever, Mr. Belt is drinking milk out of a doggy dish. It's like, <laughs> I love He that. has never done this before. <laughs> Why is he doing this? And then, after <laughs> this giant spritz from Kiriko and this giant spritz from Shinnosuke, just real quick <clears throat> from Mr. Belt <laughs> and goes
3: face. That was his a great face. Moment
0: yeah belt's human actor was probably one of my favorite members of the cast um
3: i'm sorry did you mean tony stark
0: yes tony stark (laughs) um there's actually so he's in the geo movie and right but he's in it as a hologram and there's this really hilarious scene where they're visiting uh the clock shop and sogo's uncle serves tea for go and mr belt and there's this scene where you just see like Go is just sipping on his tea, and you see the hologram of Mister Belt. He's just like, got his his like his hands to his chin. And he's like, "How am I gonna pick this up? I'm a hologram," and the <laughs> expression on his face is priceless.
3: Oh man, that's hilarious! That that is I can't wait
0: to
1: see that. Yeah, same. Um, I, I guess before we move on to Ghost, I'll just say like I love the designs of the of the show. Like I love the Ghost like base design really drive like it's it's sorry yeah (laughs) drive i love the drive design a lot um didn't like i mean i hated formula (laughs) a lot i didn't like formula but but drive as a base form was great oh yeah Um, i love i love mock and his whole like just being overly bombastic um i I did like Camaraya chase's design though it felt a bit too muted in the colors um
2: my only complaint for any of the designs is i i get for what it was chase feels like he could have used a little bit more decoration i mm. really like drive i just hate that as far as Mach goes he never gets a proper power-up all of his power-ups are he borrowing does. pieces from the other riders. yeah yeah that's
1: true that's true um and i will say i wish um uh the main actor for shinosuke uh, shinosuke's actor i wish he was in a different show yeah because i really like like i i think he's a really good actor and hmm. i liked um one thing that i liked about shinosuke as a whole is that for the first time in a while he felt like an homage to the older style of kamen writer. i can see where that. that he's always wearing a suit yeah pretty much you don't see him really in like street clothes very much Like, he's always wearing a suit and he's very, he's he's a professional, even though he's a lazy professional, but he's still a professional. And whenever he had those heroic moments, which wasn't often, but when he did have it, I bought it. I, I, I believed it. And I think that actor could have been, like, could have done amazing, like, a way better show.
3: There's always Detective Pikachu.
2: Yeah, and he he's done other dramas since. Like, yeah. If we ever see Ryoma Takeuchi doing anything, I will definitely. Oh, yeah. forward that over, so we can support this guy because he's he's good.
1: He's he is good.
3: He's great. About what you were saying about the uh, the the designs. I mean, I I thought the theming in general wasn't that wasn't quite that cohesive. Like it's you know it's not like the car theme specifically plays all that perfectly into the overall plot or anything, and it doesn't have as satisfying a tie into itself as say. Ghost did up through at least token Boost. But, you know, it was it was still fun. And I do agree, the base design was so good. I I wasn't really a fan of the um, of the type Triderone design, but I was really satisfied with the fact that they made the car his armor. That was yeah. fitting. Yeah. yeah. He was sort of like the two-in-one rider concept in type Triderone because Mr. Belt could take yeah. over.
0: True. Um, so, as far as designs go... Like going back to Formula, I have a hard time with that one because it's not the prettiest. Like, dude is literally wearing an F one cart, but at the same time, <clears throat> it is a perfect homage to um to Ayrton Senna, who is like. So, if you don't know a lot about like Formula One racing. He is basically the Michael Jordan of that world and he died a very tragic death during a race so i just thought it was really cool that out of nowhere they would give a rider that sort of imagery because like he was like known for his yellow helmet he had a blue and white car that was very iconic of him so i really enjoyed oh, so that that was a reference yeah that was totally a reference to him oh okay and didn't know that i feel like maybe a little bit of tweaking and I would have liked the suit a lot more because dude is wearing, dude is just wearing an F1 cart. And I I can say
2: this just to, just to leave it at that chase, you know, you can take or leave as far as his writer form, but machine chaser is a good suit. Yes, it is.
1: Okay. Uh, and since this is getting a little bit long in the tooth, uh, we're going to cut this off at part two, uh, tune in next episode. We'll continue with uh, a common Rider ghost and we'll talk about ghosts all the way up until Common Rider geo. Uh, so guys, thank you for uh, being on this podcast. Uh, thanks for thank having you. us.
3: It's always great to be here
1: and I will see you guys. See everybody next time. Bye. Night Bye, everybody. See ya.
0: Bye. The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms, such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tokunet where if you're at the Rider tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com.